This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. And welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, Petey Pob, and today, Larry and I, my guest, hey, how's it going? are going to teach you guys how to deal and deal with and beat Death Stars. The best we can. The, as best as we can. Uh, now, I do have a, a good amount of experience beating Death Stars. Uh, and Larry runs Death Stars, and he's also a really good player. And he's how long have you been playing 40k for, Larry? Well, all right. So I've been playing 40k for about three, four years now. Uh, competitively, the last year to two years. Right. But you are on the same team as Brandon Grant, Michael Snyder. To name Aaron, drop, yeah. Aaron Hayden. <laughs> Um, you were in one of the more competitive areas of the world in San Diego, San Diego, California. And you've also played fantasy for oh God. 15 um, years, Warmer Fantasy. 15 years, yeah. Right. Since I was 14. And, and I know from personal experience that there are Death Stars that do exist in Old Warhammer Fantasy. Oh yeah, there played, were Death Stars. Yeah, there were chaos, there were Chaos Warriors. That was what, all we had is a Death Star. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those of you who are wondering what a Death Star is, a Death Star in any game doesn't doesn't have to be Warhammer 40k. Although Warhammer 40k specifically is what we're going to be focusing on. A Death Star is a large unit that is really really hard to kill and pretty much nukes everything it touches, everything it looks at, shoots at, charges, and it, it's supposed to be a big point sink. It's supposed to be. Uh, able able to go out and kill anything <clears throat> like a death star uh, unfortunately unlike the real star wars death star a lot of death stars don't have any weaknesses but there are a lot that people just don't know about there are a ton of death stars and so so the the idea of the death star is to create some big unit um, we usually in 40k you do this with independent characters because independent characters can join units so usually join the independent characters to a unit a base unit is what you would call it a base of something that they think that the independent characters can buff with their unique special rules, their psychic powers, uh, maybe some of their faction rules, and that creates your big Death Star, your big star. Uh, one thing they all have in common is all Death Stars have the ability to survive and take a punch and dish out damage. That's yeah. that's pretty much it. That's the whole point of a Death Star. That's the whole the point. Gist of it. Right. And then there is actually something else that we're not going to quite cover. Um, something people refer to as mini stars, pseudo stars, uh, beat stick units. Those are not Death Stars, although they do act as a Death Star role in a lot of cases. Perfect examples of these units are Ravenwing bikers, 
uh, Raving Wing Command Squad bikers by themselves with maybe like a chaplain, the Zard Snark in in a knob biker star or or just orc bikers unit. That's a, a beat stick unit. Those units they tend to focus less on being a Death Star and being survivable and kill a lot of things, and more about protecting a specific model in Zardsnark's case for orcs, protecting Zardsnark and getting that model into close combat so that model can do what it needs to do to win. Um, and you can use that. That's a little minor strategy. Those are like mini Death Stars, uh, but we're not talking about those because those primarily aren't the kind of Death Stars that people are worried about. So we're going to be talking about that. But before we get into that. Let's talk some tournament news. Uh, there's n not a lot going on other than the fact that right now, as you guys are listening to this, Adepticon is going on. Adepticon being one of the largest events ever in 40K uh, for this year. It'll be one of the bigger events. And the 40K champs is always huge. There's always a lot of big name players there. I know Matt Root's going. I know Nick Nanavati's going. I know Reese and Frankie are going, although I think they're playing Age of Sigmar. But Adepticon should be big. So next week, I'm going to be talking about Adepticon. Hopefully, I'm going to be talking about Adepticon and the team tournament that I, I attended last week. So I'm not going to talk about the team tournament this week, though it was a lot of fun. My partners, Matt Root and Brett Perkins, the number one ITC player in the world and the winner of the Las Vegas Open. Also, he happened to be the number two ITC player in the world. We're on my team. Um, you really carried the weight on that team. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, so... For those of you, it's actually fun stories. I'm going to talk about all my games next week. It'll, it'll be an absolute blast. And for those of you who are wondering, uh, we did pretty well. So I won't, I won't go over too many spoilers there. We'll, that'll be what we talk about next week. And we'll also probably go over some Adepticon news. And also next week, we'll be talking more about Sisters of Silence and Custodes because those are going to be coming out uh, this weekend. Actually, as you're listening to it, they're probably already out because the podcast comes out on Saturday. And they go up for pre. They stopped going up for pre-order on Friday, um, so we're not going to talk about Sisters of Silence. We're not going to talk about Custodes. Um, we might talk a little bit about what Sisters of Silence can do if you're a Death Star, in terms of the Rhinos, and that. I might talk a little bit about that. But I'm not going to go in depth with army lists, and I'm not going to. I'm basically going to brush out on it. That and a lot of. I don't. I don't want to talk just about Sisters of Silence and just kind of. Ref refer to like oh well if you if you have trouble handling death stars just allies sisters of silence and boom there you go because a it's not that simple and b not everyone wants to or has the means to ally sisters of silence it's not going to be an auto psychic death star killer That's definitely not definitely not it is a tool uh, a really good tool um so we will talk about it a little bit just the sisters of silence um but sh i won't touch on it any more than just a, maybe a, a couple sentences or a minute or two and finally, one last thing, announcement before we get into the main topic. We are not going to be talking about the announcements at Adepticon that Games Workshop put out uh, for two reasons. One, I don't like to talk about rumors on this show. I like to keep it to concrete rule books, rules, words that we have in our hands that are actually going to be used at tournaments. So none of you guys are going to go to a tournament where you're taking morale tests on bravery or or um, your units are going to be moving either between four and nine inches, et cetera, et cetera. You, if, you guys are, if you guys are wondering what I'm talking about, go over to the Warhammer TV community page and look at some of the announcements the GW made. Um, so basically, I'm talking about the 8th edition rumors, and that's what they are. They're still rumors. Go on, Larry. I do want to touch on this, even though it's not quite related to 8th edition, but the direction that Games Workshop has been taking and with you know with the community support and everything whatever is going to happen 
I'm really happy as a player that's been playing for 14, 15 years, you know, Fantasy, Age of Sigmar, 40K, whatever it may be, I'm really happy to see their involvement and not just putting things out. That, They're very community-driven now. Absolutely. And I, actually, that was that's one of the cool things that have come out of just, just be, me being in my unique position. Um, they thanked Reese and Frankie for their contribution to designing rule to basically for helping rules right in the warmer community page I think that was the first paragraph i was like the first paragraph <laughs> um and me having to uh, working for reese and frankie um you know it, it's really nice because uh, i'm i'm kind i kind of feel like i'm in i'm in the the hq you know i'm on, i'm in the front lines you know um i'm not obviously i'm not I, i'm not privy to any information at all and even if i was i wouldn't be telling you guys anything but Oh, it's it's really it makes me feel important, um, and then I just it's, it makes me feel good knowing that Reese and Frankie are some of the guys GW are turning to um, because they really know their stuff in terms of rules, 40k tournaments, running tournaments, um, how to just make the game better, game design. Reese and Frankie are the guys, so that that makes me really excited. Um, but to reiterate, guys, we're not going to be talking about them because they are just rumors. And also, if you noticed, GW hasn't didn't actually say these were. This was 8th edition. They didn't say that at all. They just said, these are rules that we are designing, that we are working on, and that we want your feedback on. So it was kind of actually smart on GW's part, right? Because they basically, they put their toe in the water. They didn't say, they didn't, they didn't sign up for anything. They didn't officially commit to anything. They just kind of said, hey, you know, these are rules we've been working on. You know, what do you guys think? And the community is like, rawr, 8th edition, Age of Sigmar, 40K, blah, 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 blah. Age of the Emperor. Age of the Emperor. <laughs> And GW, GW, I'm just waiting for GW to go like, whoa, 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 guys. We didn't say we were, we didn't even say this was specifically to 40K. We were just kind of talking in general terms. Um, so it's really, it was really smart how GW handled that. They didn't commit to anything. And they still, they still haven't officially announced anything yet. They just kind of announced rules that they were talking about and rules they were going over. And, and that's it. And then we are, as a community, we are reacting to them. So... You know, in a month from now, if we, if hypothetically, if we were to react absolutely poorly to all of the rules they talked about, everything they talked about, GW could just easily like, oh, sleep on it under the rug, and then in another month, if they do release a new edition or a big rule games change, it might be completely different and out of left field just because of how the community reacted to this thing. So it, I, I just I think it was smart on GW's part, and that's why we're not going to talk about it because it's not an official announcement. There's nothing concrete yet, so um, you know. Well, they're going to take care of us. They, they've been doing they that are. a lot with FAQs. A point in case, when Dreadnoughts got four attacks, everyone was outraged. They're like, oh, Blood Angels, why don't I get four attacks for my Dreadnoughts? They, dread, gave dreadnoughts. Everyone, they gave Even everyone four attacks. And the next day, they came out with a They're like, oh, you know what, guys, we hear you. So There's, they're listening. That's so they, they are listening. Um, and you know what? As a community, uh, uh, to my listeners, to all you chapter tax, chapter tactics, um, I don't know what to call Battle Brothers. I'm going to call you guys Battle Brothers. Every podcast I listen to, that I personally enjoy and listen to. They always give their listeners some sort of cool little name. Um, are you the squig herder? The, are, are the squigs. <laughs> so I'm the squig herder and you guys are the squigs. No. Um, shows chapter tactics. You guys are my battle brothers. For all you battle brothers out there, uh, you guys are doing a great job, you know, reaching out to GW, being a vocal community and just kind of telling them, hey, this is what we like. This is what we don't like. And the game's gotten better because of it. So kudos to you guys. Oh, you guys are awesome. Yeah, Anyways, yeah. that's pretty much it. We're going to go ahead and move on to the main topic. But first, before we move on to the main topic, I would like to tell you that you can pre-order or 
I guess, purchase because it's Saturday now. You guys can order the new Custodes Ancestors of Silence models. Still at 25% off because of our new release special. Uh, so in the first week of the Scissors of Silence and the Adeptus Custodes release, you get an additional 5% off your entire Games Workshop product. So up to 25% off. Unfortunately, it looks like the Talons of the Emperor box is sold out and most likely will be limited and, and sold out forever. Um, so I would, re I would <coughs> recommend actually getting just the individual kits, which is fine because those Scissors of Silence kits, they're, they're screaming at you and you guys have plenty of rhinos. I'm sure you guys do, so you guys just need to paint up some rhinos, different color than your blue scars, and <laughs> and then just buy some sisters models, and boom, there you go. You have sisters. You can use that, and if you listen to anything we say in the future that you might like, you can go out, buy the sisters from Frontline Gaming, and start using those tactics on the battlefield. So, cool. Also, buy from the secondhand shop. Guys, There this week, this weekend, there are some stupidly good things up there. Um, there's a Riptide Wing, there's a ton of Scat Bikes, there's Warp Spiders, there's multiple Wraith Knights. Uh, the e our eBay store, Frontline Gaming store, has a ton of really cheap, almost up to 50 to 60% off MSRP things. Pretty good. They're all, they're like competitive. I'm picking, I'm picking the good stuff and putting them on um, because I actually know what's going on. So there's, of course, there's some chaff. There's like witches. Mm, the, you'll have those. But go to the Frontline Gaming store on eBay check it out there's a lot of great stuff there for some amazing deals i can attest i walked past the aisle i almost didn't make it to the podcast right there's <laughs> on the way to the podcast aisle there's a, a really nicely painted tau and eldar army uh, it's red you just walk by it. all the riptide all the riptides are like magnetized with multiple options painted red there's a storm surge an ivara uh, two ghost kills two wraith knights a ton of scat bikes some warp spiders and two really nicely painted farseer skyrunners and that's just like in one general table and, and as you walk to the podcast area you can just kind of see all that stuff so all that's going to go on the second hand shop stuff as a matter of fact you guys are probably listening to it some of it might have already sold by now this is going to go up on saturday oh, so anyways on to the main topic brass tax brass taxes death stars how do you beat them what are they how do you identify the specific Death Stars? And if you are a faction like Orcs, Tyranids, Guard, how do you deal with Death Stars with just a pure faction of yours? Now, I'm not, I'm gonna, if you guys listen to this podcast and listen the whole way through, first off, kudos to you for listening to the whole podcast. But next, I'm not, I'm not gonna teach you guys the magical tricks to beating Death Stars and, and winning every event ever. Right, and I think I don't think everyone wants to be that kind of player. I don't think every I don't think every guard player, dark elder player, wants to win every event they go to. I think they just want to compete. Yeah, and I mean, I can see that. Yeah, and a lot of deaths, a lot of the real big problems with competitive 40k right now stem from these big super unit, these big Death Stars units. And there's a reason why Reese doesn't like them so much. And even though I like Death Stars, and I occasionally play with Death Stars. I can see where he's coming from from an unfun perspective because Death Stars are not fun to play against. They're they very oppressive. They, they are extremely oppressive. Uh, they they are unkillable. They are usually a majority of your opponent's points. So if if you think about it, if you if you have like a fifteen hundred point Death Star, it's unkillable. It kills everything it touches. It's mobile. You can't interact with it. So you, shooting at it's pointless. You know, assaulting it's pointless. It, everything it touches, it kills. And then once you kill those three hundred points. Of units, if you can, if they're not hiding or in reserves, that's it. Your your interaction with the game is done. 
and that's unfun. That's a lot of a lot of armies cannot deal with that. Uh, so we will help you guys uh, basically combat that. There are certain missions that Death Stars excel at, and there are other missions that they don't. Thankfully, I play in a, a lot of ITC events with, that use the ITC missions that use hybrid prime or hybrid uh, Eternal War and Maelstrom missions, and a lot of events are moving to that because of Death Stars. Um, for example, if you are in your friend's garage. Right, and for some reason you guys like to play competitively, casually. Uh, Death Star list that he runs. If you guys just play Eternal War missions and you guys always play Relic, you're probably never going to win games, ever. He, like he'll get first blood, or you'll get. You probably won't be able to kill his Death Star, so he'll probably get first blood eventually. Um, both of you are probably going to get Linebreaker. He, you're definitely not getting Warlord. He might get it, but you're not getting it for sure because that Warlord, you can bet your ass is in that Death Star. And meanwhile, he's just going to run to the relic and kind of laugh at you. Um, so the first step to beating Death Stars is missions and playing to the mission, um, which is where we're actually going to go into. So relic, obviously, Death Stars are good at winning the relic. They move on to the middle of the board, and then they zone you away from it. So we're going to start there. So how do you combat Death Stars with the relic, Larry? Well, I mean, with Imperium, it's pretty easy. There's a lot, a lot of Death Stars have Scout, like uh, Cabal Star will have Scout because of the Flesh Hounds. Uh, just take your Inquisitor with Servo Skills. You just stop the guy from going, you know, scouting up, moving, grabbing the Relic, turn yeah. one. So you want them, so with the Relic, since it's in the middle of the board, you want them to take two turns of movement to get to it. You don't want them to take just one turn and them to be on the Relic. And let's say hypothetically, if you don't want to ally in Inquisitors with Servo Skulls, if you're Orcs, if you're Tyranids, if you're Dark Eldar, um, another good way to win or to, to combat those Death Stars is you don't need to, you don't need to um, contest the relic, or you don't need to hold the relic to hold it. You can just contest it. So mobile objective secured units, I think, are your bread and butter here. I think every 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 faction has, maybe not, maybe not Tyranids. I don't think Tyranids have access to mobile objective secured units, um, but they do have access to something else that can deal with Death Stars, which is tar pitting. So. The, the way you deal with Death Stars and when they have the Relic is you can either uh, you can either deny the the Death Star, and we'll talk about a little bit more about how to do this. You can either deny the Death Star at the end of the game that's holding the Relic, or you can just tar pit them and constantly have that Death Star moving and killing things and kind of just manipulating where it goes. So if you charge them with, let's say, like a 40-unit Termagant squad, or or um, if you charge them with a, a Dark Eldar Talos uh, corpse thief claw, yeah. right? You can kind of manipulate where that Death Star is going to go because they have to consolidate into you. Another thing is if they're a large Death Star, like a Space Wolf Bark Star with about 40 or 50 wolves, you can basically, you highlight the points where the Death Star is weakest, where it can't kill a lot of your models, and you charge that. Uh, I have once single-handedly beat a Death Star, not by killing it, just by charging five-man marine tactical squads into the Death Star, into the Wolf Star, into strategic spots just to kind of manipulate around, because what that does is it spreads the Death Star thin and then lets you either, A, place objectives on that relic, because there's not very many units holding it at that point, so they can't zone you off of that three-inch bubble around the objective, or you can start focusing out key characters when your guys die, Yeah. as if you spread them thin. Do you want to talk about worst-case scenario with this? Like, say say the so, Death Star gets the relic. Okay, so, so let's say the Death Star gets the relic. Um, you're playing an Eternal War mission, just just the relic, I think I think you're in trouble. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't I don't think you should give up at that point though. I, I That's think the biggest you're, thing you're with right. Death Star. You can't I'll, give up with the Death Star. 
Hold on one second, guys. Uh, so, so basically, I think you're right, Larry. Um, so if, real quick, you are, first off, if this does happen to you and you're playing an Eternal War primary relic mission and you're up against the Death Star and they have it, they have it completely surrounded, they're powered up, you can't kill them, um, you have to accept the fact that you are in a lot of trouble and you are most definitely not going to win that game nine times out of ten. If they are doing that, they, you know where their Death Star is. You know their Death Star is going to stay on the relic. It can only move six inches. So you, you can kind of kind of make your game plan around that. So if you're a guard army, for example, you, you basically let them get the relic, and then you just start moving your blob up to get it. But you, you kind of want to stay out of that 20, out of their charge range, um, especially with guard, just because if they do charge you and they obliterate your bob, they, blob, you, they can then, then slingshot into your artillery and then you're done. You don't right? want to start giving them extra movement. Right, right. You don't want to give them extra movement. So you want to stay kind of out of their charge range. Um, not too much. You want to stay within 24 inches because a lot of mass shooting is hits that 24-inch range. So so if you're playing guard or um, any other immobile army, you, you want to make sure your shooting is always to bear on their Death Star. And then you want to kind of keep them close. Um, maybe if you have if you have uh, vendettas, which are which can hover and then and then um they can hover and then drop obsec troops onto a key part of the relic to at least contest or take it so what you do is is you kind of play a cat and mouse game with the death star let them take the middle of the board you take your shots when you can uh wait for them because they're gonna have to keep powering up every turn they might start suffering perils of the warp um you have to play really quickly especially if you're in a timed event like a tournament um, because it might the game might go to time Right, so you want to get those full seven turns because you want to spread that Death Star out as long as possible and keep it not killing things on, on the relic. And then when you see your opportunity, when you think the game will end, you go for the object. You go for the relic. You put everything you have into whatever side is the weakest, holding the relic. Just basically get models off of the relic, so a three inch. You can get to that three inch bubble on the relic, and then you're good. You're golden. It's hard to do, especially against the Wolf Star. Um, but it's also very possible to, to deal with. Another thing you could do is you could, in the turn you think before you're, the game's going to end, so let's say you get to turn six, you could charge that Death Star with everything you have uh, from different angles. If you, if you played it right, it should be okay. Another thing you could do is you could put the Vendetta, you could hover the Vendetta or hover the mobile unit, Raider, or whatever it is, next to the Death Star and then charge things around, charge things at it um, uh, from behind it. So if you, if for example, I know this is gonna be hard to explain because it's more of a visual thing. If you have the hovering unit, whatever, or the hovering vendetta, the fast mobile large vehicle units, perfect raider, um, you put that on the side where the relic is closest, and then you put it right there. So they have to go around it, and then you charge units flanking it. So the Death Star will eventually start to go towards the vendetta. But it's not the Death Star is not in close combat with the Vendetta or the vehicle or the Rhino or whatever it is. It's not so they're not going to kill it, and then that's going to move the relic towards that transport. And so even if if everything goes well and that that um, Death Star moves the full six inches, uh, they might kill all your units. But the game's going to end with that Death Star surrounding that one transport that's still alive and still just chilling there, and you might get within three inches of the relic and contest it and win. It's it's a long shot. It's not easy, um, but that would be one small tactic that I think might work. I mean, that's that's good to note. I mean, for me, if that Death Star has the the relic at that point, my 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 main focus is going to be Maelstrom, 
and tertiaries. Right. So so then that's that brings up the second thing is if you're not win- playing just pure eternal war and this is why those those pure eternal war missions are just bad in general um because things like death stars or battle company will just dominate one specific aspect of the mission you can't beat that so what larry's talking about is itc i specifically itc scenario two which i think is relic um where you just play the maelstrom now that's a completely different ball game so when you're up against and this is true for any any hard counter tier list no matter what the list is this is a good general tactic when you're up against your hard counter, you give them one mission because you can't beat them completely, right? Mm-hmm. So let's say you you're uh, you're what's it what's a list that cannot cannot compete against Death Star orcs? Orcs have a pretty hard time against Death Stars. They do. All right, so let's say you're orcs. Uh, first off, you're up against a hard hitting Aaron Long Star, which is basically Raven Wings, tons of independent characters, Hero Hammer kind of deal. Um, they're unkillable. They kill everything they touch. Your orcs. The first thing you got to do is you have to decide what mission are you going to play. What mission are you going to play for? Um, if it's purge the alien, if that's the ITC mission, purge the alien, or if you're doing Nova and um, you get to pick, don't pick purge the alien because you're not going to you're not going to want to kill points against a Death Star. That's the whole point. That's the whole reason why people bring Death Stars is to auto win things like Relic and like purge the alien kill kill points. So you have to pick one specific part of the mission to play. The next thing you have to do is you have to match the Death Star and tertiaries. What that means is is tertiary points are those single individual points that define a game. Um, uh, we'll use the King of the Hill, First Strike, and Line Breaker just as an example. So if you're going to match the Death Star and tertiaries, the one tertiary that Death Star is never going to give up is, line, is Warlord. Ever. So you can't okay. give up your Warlord. You're, even if you're... I don't care if your Warlord is the most badass... Melee, like he's Karn, but like on crack. Uh, no, keep him in the corner. Keep him away from that Death Star. Because more likely than not, even if even if you think your Warlord can handle a Death Star for more than a few turns, it's a dice game. You don't want to chance it. Now, if you do, if you somehow manage to kill the Death Star's Warlord, then you obviously you don't have to worry. You still want to keep your Warlord alive because you're one point up on your opponent. Um, so. Anyways, so you, you play, you match their tertiaries, you play for Linebreaker every time because that Death Star might have some hard problems with Linebreaker if you move block them correctly or if you put all of the threats on their side of the board. So your Death Star ha- the, their Death Star has to actually either split off independent characters to get Linebreaker, which you can then maybe pick off, or their Death Star has to go full on to get Linebreaker and go into your line. And in that case, you can go spread them out and go towards the opposite side of the board and win that way. So... You're playing your hard counter, you're playing orcs versus Death Stars. You don't give up your warlord. Zard Snarky is going to hide in a corner. It's not. It's very un-Zard Snarky. That's what he's got to do. You hide in a corner with Zard Snark. Keep him away from all, the Death Star, the shooting. Um, don't let him die. You maybe put a Death Copta in their in their deployment zone um, or some Grots. Just have the Grots go on the exact opposite side of the Death Star. Um, the guy's not going to waste time on Grots, right? So those Grots are just going to move, run move, run until they get to the opponent's line, and then they just stay there. You get you just get one unit to get line breaker, and then that unit's job is to get line breaker. Uh, if your opponent's Death Star has multiple units in their line to kind of deal with your units that want to get line breaker, you focus on those units, and you ignore the Death Star. You you try to avoid it. You have to avoid the Death Star. You have to avoid the Death Star. Don't even put any shots into it. You're no, don't, do don't shoot it. It's, it might be invisibility. It might be invisible. So you might think, oh, I'm hitting on sixes instead of fives. Like, just, just don't. Don't even bother. 
if you kill all of a Death Star supporting unit, so it's just a Death Star left, you're you're in a much better position than you were. Um, because that Death Star cannot be in multiple places at once. And even if it does start splitting off independent characters, <coughs> you kill those independent characters. You Whenever they come out, uh, you focus all your fire on those independent characters. And then... Yeah. Because the whole point of that is each of those independent characters is fulfills a specific linchpin in the Death Star. It, no one ever just takes independent characters just for the fun of it. Um, that's not the point of a Death Star. The point of a Death Star is to take linchpin independent characters that all provide specific roles. Um, and so if they take, for example, out a chaplain, right? They take a chaplain out because he's on a jump pack and he wants to go score an objective. You kill that chaplain, that Death Star loses hatred, which is losing the ability to reroll hits in close combat, which means that if they want to get that with prescience, that's one less power the Death Star is rolling for. Or that's one more power that the Death Star has to roll for. So it's getting, it, it's even marginally, it's getting marginally inefficient just by losing that chaplain. Also, that chaplain might be the only unit in the Death Star that that's fearless. So if you can kill like a quarter of that Death Star's models just through luck, or uh, maybe they forget, didn't roll invisibility that turn, you you can maybe get them to force a morale check and you might actually get them to run. You're definitely not going to get Death Star to run off the board if you're really lucky, maybe. I mean, don't don't shoot for that. Don't make that your one hope. Um, but you might get them to fall back a certain amount of inches, so it basically makes them easier to avoid. Well, I mean, and another note on that is if you have something that can survive a round of combat, with Death Star, something fearless, charge them. Every time. Every time. They lose Furious Charge, they lose Rage. I mean, you hold them up. If they, if you know that, if you have a good chance of them killing you on their turn, it's much better than them killing you on their turn. Right. Because then now you, you took them out of the game for a turn. Yes. They're just stuck there, they're not moving. Death Stars are bullies by nature. So Absolutely. Wherever they are, if you want to keep them there, just keep them there and focus on everything else. Uh, yes. And uh, exactly what Larry said, and that kind of goes into the where you're basically you're manipulating where Death Stars go by charging them. Um, remember, when you charge a unit, it has to consolidate towards you three inches and then pile in towards you three inches. Uh, if they kill you after consolidate, I think I think they're okay. I think they only consolidate three inches. But if you can charge with something that fearless that survives one round of combat, you're effectively moving that Death Star six inches in a direction of your choice. And uh, another point of contention is like, say if you're playing, I don't know, Battle Company, you have, and, and, the, and they shall know no fear. If you can charge a Death Star from the point where the heroes are nowhere near that unit, do it. I mean, because if they can't, if they don't, if they don't have enough killy points where you're charging at, they're just going to keep on piling in that way. Even if you run away, they still catch you, and now they're still stuck in combat. Right. So. So. It- so you do all use all of these things. You use move blocking, which is uh, if they're if they don't have a shooting Death Star, uh, and we'll talk about this a little more in identifying Death Stars. But essentially, if they have a Death Star can, that can only kill you in one phase, uh, for, let's say for example a Wolf Star. Wolf Star doesn't have a lot of shooting. Might have some psychic powers. Um, if you're running like the Brandon Grant style Death Star with just with no psychic powers, th- that Death Star is really only going to be good at one thing. It was just killing you in close combat. So if you surround that Death Star with a unit, even even a five-man tactical squad, spread them out two inches, that Death Star can't really go around it that well. So that's called a move block. That Death Star either has to charge you and kill you, or uh, you it has to go around you, which maybe means it can't get the charge off it really needs to get, uh, which which might be good for you if you're trying to deny them like Line Breaker, or if you're trying to get them from contesting an objective. Uh, 
another thing you you can use this on another tactic you can use this on that I use it all the time is Imperial Knights. Um, with my five warp spider units, a lot of the times I just kind of surround an Imperial Knight with the warp spiders, and then even if it, most likely if it's like the battle cannon knight, it can't shoot you because it can't move anywhere and the blast template covers its own base, so it can't shoot you, so it just has to charge you, um, which means that that Imperial Knight just has to spend a turn doing nothing but charging a unit of Wraith. One of warp the spiders. dirtiest tricks of summoning is you summon a unit of demonettes. Yep. They, they have fleet, they run D6 plus three, and you just base out the knight, do exactly what Pablo said. Yep. I mean, every army, pretty much, except for, I think, Eldar and Nids have access to summoning. Yes, and even, yeah. even Eldar and Nids have access to move blocking. Uh, Gaunts, fearless 40-man gauntlets, uh, those Turvagons that spawn out Gaunts. Um, yeah, I, I, I once saw a guy, He all he had left was his Turvagon and the Gaunts he was spawning. And the his opponent, the only thing he had left, in basically, in the game... The, to get Linebreaker was a Knight, Sarasa's Knight Lancer. Uh, this was against an old old school game against uh, from between Jason Hickel and Cooper Waddell, uh, two players. really good players. Really um, good. Basically, what happened was Cooper's Turvagon would pop out a unit of Gaunts, sur- run to surround the Knight Lancer, and then the previous unit of Gaunts had just gotten finished killing by the Lancer. And Sarasa's Knight Lancer is the Imperial Knight with just one Lance shooting weapon and close combat attacks. It's really good against killing other Knights. But it can only kill one unit a turn, and so these free gaunts were stopping this knight from getting line breaker, and the rest of Cooper's flyers and units around the board were just basically dealing with Jason's army and kind of keeping him from getting line breaker. And Cooper won because the the knight couldn't get line breaker, and so that knight basically moved like a total of two inches. I mean, one point's all you need to win a game. Right, that's that's absolutely true. So that's that's a perfect example of move blocking and just stopping your opponent from doing that. And uh, every army has access to limited amounts of move blocking. The key to move blocking, specifically against Death Stars, is to spend ch- cheap units to just just move block. Just like those cheap units, they you don't want to you don't want to move block with your like four hundred point Custodes squad. Because because <laughs> then you're just giving away points and you're running out of units quicker. Um, so. If you're really worried about Death Stars, mobile, cheap units that can move block, you might want to invest in a couple of those. Uh, Grots, Aggression, uh, Gaunts, mm, Warp pink Spiders. They're, cheap. They're also really good. Don't take... I was just joking. Pink Horrors. Pink, pink Horrors, Demonets. Uh, Brimstones are really, really good at move blocking. Um, that's actually a funny story. We talked about it uh, through four weeks ago now, four podcast episodes ago, maybe less. Uh, no, it's actually... 20 yeah 24 a uh, 20 episode 20 um which was the inari episode my guest george and i we talked about something called pop rocks and pop rocks is the brimstone conflagration formation where the brimstones blow themselves up <clears throat> what the kyle one of our friends the way he dealt with brandon grant's wolf star was he charged the wolf star with the or or he got charged by the wolf star with his brimstones which bubble wrapped his army we're going to talk about bubble wrapping too because that's that's move blocking um and then he blew up the brimstones with their ability from the brimstone conflagration so that the wolves couldn't make any attacks against the brimstone unit because all the models died and then the wolves would have to consolidate three inches forward and then the brimstones would consolidate three inches forward to go to keep the wolves locked into combat and then he he only lost combat by like 10 models by yeah. 10 wounds, but Brimstones have two wounds each. Yeah, demonic instability unless and, he rolls double sixes. Right, okay. which isn't going to happen. So he, he ended up maybe losing all but like one or two Brimstone horror models. 
but that wolf star wasn't going anywhere and then next turn kyle would daisy chain out his brimstones charge the wolf star and do it again uh it was, it was absolutely brilliant it's a perfect example of using special rules that units get provided with cheap units like brimstone horrors and block move blocking a death star keeping it in place uh and then obviously not every not every army has access to that but that is that's the kind of idea you're thinking about is you can if you can keep a death star locked in close combat or basically doing nothing you're good you're golden um msu is is one of the best counters to death stars i mean just that situation there that's a real good example of thinking outside the box yes instead of kyle freaking out he thought of a way how to you know beat brandon grant's death star right and brandon's one of the best players number three in itc right now he's he's really hot um so so just to give you an idea uh you you don't need to take the usual suspects uh to beat a death star you just need to kind of think outside the box like larry said um another good way for i think we off tracked here i think we're actually talking about move blocking um we're talking about move blocking and uh dealing with the death stars oh well forget it you want to move on to the next one because we did the, we were on the relic for a little bit. Oh well, okay. So we'll move on to basically with these missions. Long story short, we, we went off on a bit of a tangent. Uh, the whole point of winning missions and dealing with Death Stars is you you win the mission that you want to win that you focused on. You ignore the other mission, whatever it is. You don't devote any resources to winning that mission. You assume that your opponent's going to win it, and then you play for tertiaries. In for example, in the ITC. If you win primary and your opponent wins secondary, you guys are tied, tie game, which means it comes down to three tertiary points. Uh, usually those tertiary points, um, if we're using the example Warlord, Linebreaker, First Strike, you don't give up First Strike, uh, you don't give up Warlord, and then you play for Linebreaker. And then that's it. And then you have to you have to hope that that, that star doesn't win Linebreaker. And even if worse comes to worse, let's say your, your opponent... Let's say you tie your opponent, because that's it's very easy to tie that. Because you could neither one of you could get Warlord, both of you could get Linebreaker, neither one of you get First Strike. That's uh, a nine-point tie both ways. Congratulations, you just tied a Death Star with Militarum Tempestus, with well, Sisters of Battle, right? Let's, let's I think about, that's a win, too. Let's talk about First Strike, especially since you're talking about Imperial Guard and Militarum Tempestus. Right. Uh, we're talking about how independent characters are the linchpins in Death Stars. Right. And... A lot of guard players have access to a lot of barrage. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're absolutely Libraries? correct. Uh, and I know where you're going with this. Yeah. So Earthshakers, is that barrage as well? I'm not sure. Earthshakers are barrage. So they what Larry's barrage. getting into is uh, tactic called sniping. Um, something you can do with barrage weapons where you place the first, you basically whatever model is underneath the center of that blast template, that's the model that's going to be taking wounds first. Yeah. Every time. Also, uh, not split fire um precision shots. precision shots that's another way to snipe out characters um using the rule where you take models that are closest to you first that's another good way to snipe it uh perfect a great unit of doing this is actually flyrance flyrance because they're mobile they they have 360 degree shooting so they can fly over the death star the point of the death star where it's the weakest and start pump 12 strength six twin link shots into it that specific area and if let's say for example there's just two wolves and a chaplain in that area, that chaplain's going to be either have it's basically that chaplain's going to be making armor saves quickly because look out, sirs, yeah, we'll look out sirs. And the whole point of that is if you put enough shots into that weak point, you might kill uh, one of those linchpin characters. And so, which is exactly what Larry's talking about, which is brilliant. Also, focus witch fires do the same thing for psychic powers. 
Um, the the way you do that the, the with any army is mobile, high strength, lots of shooting, shooting, just high strength, uh, large amounts of shooting, mass volume. mobility, mass mass volume, mass yeah. fire, mass volume mass fire. Uh, and I think every army should have, if your army doesn't have access to mass volume fire, um, then you might, then hopefully you have access to focus witch fires. If you don't have, if you don't have access to focus witch fires, hopefully you have access to barrage, some sort of barrage. If you don't have access to all three of those things, I think you're not playing 40k anymore. Um, but <laughs> you basically, you need to take those things. One of those three things. It doesn't, ha you don't have to take the meta, you know, Vols Wrath support batteries or warp hunters. Um, Thunderfire cannons. You don't need to take the really good stuff. You can take some of the unique stuff. Whirlwinds have barrage. Um, sometimes you can get lucky and kill an independent character. Maybe they have a priest. You know, something. Something. The, the whole point is, is that every independent character in Death Stars is usually extremely important. Um, and I think Larry actually mentioned something that was kind of cool about Screamer Stars. Uh, oh, yes. I'm going to let out the secret right now. Uh-oh. Most people don't know this. But uh, per the Grimoire's rules... The bearer of the Grimoire does not gain the benefit of the Grimoire if it, if it goes off. So you're looking at a guy that's toughness four per ITC with armored steed, uh, two wounds, and he's only at a five up invul or four up invul with Cursed Earth, re-rolling ones. Right. That's not too hard to kill. Two wounds. All he has to do is roll two ones for lookout sirs. Um, and then, you know, two four-ups. So if you think one about it, if, if you, if you think one strength eight, um, if you think about it, that's only eight strength four hits on him um, because he's going to, I guess, 12, 24. How many strength four hits to guarantee to kill him? 24 strength four hits is actually not a lot. Um, I'm always bad at that. I just like, this something... is the right amount of dice. Right, right. Uh, or, you could do it, or you could do six over three turns. That's also very viable. Um, the point is, is that you're getting him to roll ones, and then you're also just putting wounds on him at that point. And once that character's gone, uh, yep. their two up rollables gone. Yep. And then, that, and then that Screamer Star, which is, if you don't know what a Screamer Star is, it's a Chaos Demons star that uses Screamers and Pink Heralds on discs. To basically fly around the board, buffing things, casting summoning units, charging smaller things and killing them, debuffing your opponent's things. They're they're more of a, a mobile kind of disruptive Death Star. Uh, they are pretty good at killing, but they're not as good as some of the other Death Stars. We can go into that a little bit. About, right. Uh, the uh, into case, the types of Death that's, Stars. That's huge for the Screamer Star. Like right. The Screamer Star, it's a very finesse unit, and you might not think it's that strong, but with a couple psychic spells, you could really be hurting. Right. So, so if you have the ability to uh, kill independent characters, take it. Uh, another thing you could do, and I do this all the time, is the chap units, the base units, and we're going to talk about base units a little bit more, but the base units that are not characters in the Death Star, they don't have the ability to look out, sir. So another thing you can do is you can snipe those with precision shots because they don't have the ability to look out, sir. If you get some cleave, for example, wolves, Wolves are very easy to kill, even if with Azrael, even with the 4-plus invul and the Feel No Pain, that's still relatively easy to kill in terms of, when, especially when you compare it to, like, the Beatstick Chapter Master with a 2-plus armor save, 3-up invul, 4-plus Feel No Pain, it will not die, 4 wounds, T5, now, especially compared to that, the, well, those wolves are, are cake. They're easy, really easy to kill compared to the rest of the Death Star. Yeah. So if you can kill a couple of those units enough to... Enough so that two of their independent characters are the closest to each other. When you start putting wounds on one of those independent characters, you basically start forcing them to look out, sir, and choosing which character to kill. 
Um, this can create pressure on your opponent, maybe making them to make a bad, forcing them to make a bad play because they're worried about, well, which one do I save? Crap, I was going to cast Prescience, but that's my only Librarian with Prescience. Um, we'll shoot, and then they might assume that they, they saved that Librarian, but they didn't. And then later on, they're like, oh, I'm going to cast Prescience. And then you go, well, wait a minute. Sorry, you lost Prescience because remember that time. The, the whole point of that is to force your opponent to give up one of the linchpins of the Death Star. Mm-hmm. So, so something I, I commonly do is I, I try I try to kill the base units of the Death Star just to kind of weaken it. So, it, if a Death Star is mostly made up of independent characters, eventually you will start to kill it. Now, if it's a completely unkillable Death Star, let's say you're playing full unnerfed invisibility, um, then you really don't want to devote this amount of shooting to it. And this strategy, this sniping character strategy, is is a lot worse. Um, but if you have the ability to snipe characters, you also have the ability to kill a Death Star's uh, support units. Very true. Right. So, so you have the mobility. So, so you might think like, oh, well, if I take those things, I can't kill a, a full-on, full-on hero hammer, you know, crazy invisible Death Star with a two-plus rerollable. You're right because nothing has the power to kill that, um, except Sisters of Silence, and so we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but you, you should have the power and the ability to kill all the rest of their units, um, kill all the units that they're going to summon if they try to summon, uh, and then from there you just have to keep away from them and play to that second mission like we mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been at tournaments and people fire at the two-up rollable. It is ITC, so it's two-up and then a four-up. Two-up rollable Screamer Star and ignore what else is going on. Right, they're like, wasting uh, I could kill your Nurglings, you know. Uh, That's huge. They're those, Yeah, kill them. Only just, for me. Yeah. You know, just, just, start, just start killing. If you just start killing things and taking away options from your opponent and at the same time keeping options for yourself and keeping your units alive that's 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 good that's you can score objectives that you weren't able to before your opponent can't do the things that they want to do because their death star starts start putting on their death star they start putting pressure on their death star to do more things than it's capable of doing so so that's that's good um if move blocking sniping characters out of units and, and then uh the last one is tying them up or tar pitting them we talked a little bit about it um if you have lar- if you have access to large fearless blobs you can do something called a tar pit which is you basically you keep that death star in one spot and then that death star is busy killing things uh, i actually played a game against jason hickle i mentioned him earlier he's a guard player he's a really phenomenal player he had five or six 20 man fearless guardsman units I had a, like a full-on 1600 point invested Death Star, and like basically I summoned like pink horrors just hanging out in my backfield to protect it, and then that Death Star like shoved, like basically shoved it at Jason's face. He charged the Death Star because I I scouted up, moved in front of him, and kind of said, "Look, come at me, bro." He also had a Knight Lancer, um, which I wasn't super afraid of, but if it if it gone into me the wrong angle, could have stomped out everything. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he charged everything with my Death Star, and I was like. Psh- whatever no big deal um i didn't kill all his guardsmen and they were all fearless so my death star was kind of like um this wasn't supposed to happen guys and so they they all moved in they consolidated and then the knight came around made like a 10 inch charge and luckily luckily he rolled three stomps he got three stomps didn't roll a single six thank god but if he had gotten one six he could have gotten my warlord he could have gotten anything any amount any anything any one of my characters because i just i misplaced them on i'm gonna be honest um, even if I had placed them correctly, I still think he could have done a number on it. And then the knight, meanwhile, could have just wrecked things. The stomps are 
vicious to yes. stars. Yeah, you so, roll that six and you can change the whole game. Yeah, absolutely. So if if you have access to a super heavy Lord of War or Gargantuan creature, something with access to stomps, that's another good thing way to deal with Death Stars. You might want to consider allying one of those or bringing one of those if your army doesn't have access to them. Um, uh, let's let's think of an army that doesn't have... I think every army has access Tyrants to at least one. does not have access to any... The monster army doesn't have Doesn't Don't Barbed Herodals have stomps? I'm not sure. I don't think... The Barbed Herodals? Are they gargantuan creatures, though? Are they? Yeah. They're well, just yeah, expensive. They they, yeah, that's why. Uh, takes them. It's you kind know, of expensive. The, yeah, it's very niche. Poor, poor Tyranids. Poor the, Tyranids. Um, yeah, the, but Tyranids do have access. So Tyranid players, you might not be able to compete against the best, best Death Star players or some of the best Death Stars, but you do have the tools needed to uh, capitalize on Death Stars when they make mistakes. Um, you have access to Barrage and the uh, Flyrants with the ability to snipe out characters. So you can do that. You also have, with Biovores too, Biovores do the same thing. Um, so. yeah. Carnifexes, if you drop pod them down. Now, everyone likes to laugh at Carnifexes drop podding down, absolutely, rightfully so. Um, but the bad thing about Carnifexes is that they get shot before they get into charge range. But if you if you have a Death Star, if your opponent has a Death Star, they have to kind of charge the Carnifex to kill it most of the time, um, which means that Carnifex might bring to bear a bunch of Strength 10 attacks. Maybe an independent character gets unlucky. Um, and if you spread that Death Star thin, that Carnifex can kind of act like a pseudo stomper in the sense that if you charge the Death Star with a fearless unit of Gaunts, you can get the Carnifex in there at a right angle so that he's swinging at like a priest or an important character, a chaplain. Obviously not a character that can kill him, but he's just kind of like wailing away, knocking in those strength 10 attacks. Eventually he'll kill something important. Yeah. No, I mean, right. enough strength 10 is going to Right, gonna enough hurt. strength 10 attacks is going to... You're not you're, t you're denying them feel no pain uh, in most cases. And, you know, you might get you might get lucky with a few failed lookout sirs. Um, but you, you can't let the Carnifex face the Death Star alone. That's the point. Yeah. Uh, I think that Tyranids... I think Barbyrdal, Carnifexes, Biovores, um, fearless gaunt, large fearless gaunt squads. Um, you have mobile gargoyles. Uh, Flyrants are obviously mobile; they can move around. And they're they're pretty tough. They're they're, they're pretty tough. It's hard to deal with with Death Stars. You have access to those. You also have access to Gene Stealer Cult. Um, you don't use the Gene Stealer Cult to deal with the Death Star. You use the Gene Stealer Cult to kill everything around the Death Star, and you also use the Gene Stealer Cult to. Move, basically to score objectives around the, we're basically to run away from the deaths are I mean if you want to list them uh, just off the top of my head Imperium they have knights uh, any Imperial armor you can take a knight and it's still really fluffy to take them uh, you know Eldar have Wraith Knights Tau have Storm Surges the, the melee unit of Tau as per se <laughs> <laughs> These run up the gun, you know, yeah. step on things. Um, demons internally have, they don't, so demons actually don't have a lot of answers to Death Stars. Well, they can take a Chaos Demon Knight. Okay, a Chaos Demon Knight's good, it's expensive. I guess you could do that. Um, but let, let's be 100% honest here. It, Chaos Demons have a lot of answers to Death Stars already. They, they can summon, they can debuff them with psychic shooting or right. psychic attacks, psychic maledictions. Tar pit, um, tar pit them with. You throw a unit of pink horrors, grimoire them, maybe give a even three up, right? two up rerolling in combat. Right, good luck killing that Death Star. Um, <laughs> they have demons have a lot of answer to them, though. Chaos Space Marines, maybe not so much. The biggest one for demons, though, and I had a Eureka moment before LVO, and apparently all the really good demon players had the same Eureka moment. So, I mean, good on them. But uh, the mask, the mask oh, is yeah. fantastic. Oh my gosh! So. 
let's say you're running Chaos Space Marines. You you really you don't want to go full into Chaos Demons. Understandable. Um, you want to keep your army nice and fluffy. Um, you want to run your um, you know, I guess Emperor's Children's, but your Night Lords, your Alpha Legion, you you know your World Eaters. Completely understandable. Makes perfect sense. Take spend like the the ninety points. To just get a mask, which is an HQ, choice. I think she's 65 points or 60. 75. She's 75. 30 points for a Brimstone unit. That's 105 points. Just take, no, just put, put 105 points. You could even make it kind of cool and narrative. You don't have to make it the mask. If you're if you're like a Night Lords player and you don't want to run the mask or a demon, you could make like a really cool conversion character who's like ripping off a dude's head, make him look really scary. And then the Count's ass fluff would be there. Like He's so scary that the Death Star has to basically like tread around him carefully, well, making him cautious. As far as fluff goes, I'm pretty certain that the the mask has actually like been banished, and she's kind of just like... Like a freelancer? Well, like Slaanesh was like, you know, you can't be around, you know, you messed up, or whatever the case was. Right. I don't remember the exacts of it. You know, I well, read that well, what happened was was Slaanesh was kind of bummed about something. I forgot what it was, but Slaanesh was like, man, this really sucked. And then the mask was like, master, let me dance for you. And and like she gave like him like his her most like perfect dance ever. And he thought that she was making fun of him because of how perfect the dance was and because he made a mistake. So that's why he banished her. Oh, that's very Greek mythology. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's basically like, oh, Master, this perfect dance is for you. And he's like, are you making fun of me and calling me imperfect? To the warp with you. <laughs> uh, anyways. Well, she's basically a wanderer. Is what yeah, she's a wanderer. So, I mean, if you want to fluff it up, she's, you know, she's stuck wherever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, the Chaos Space Marine Warband just happens to be around. And, you know, the mask is right. She's 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 scheming or doing her if thing you have or whatever. To fluff it up. Right, um, and a lot of a lot of people like to justify their their armies with fluff. A lot of people yeah. don't like to add in, um, for example, Harlequins players. If a Harlequin player wins with majority points, Harlequins, but also like a Wraith Knight and Eldar, everyone's going to be like, "Well, he, he ran with, he really won with Eldar." Um, that mentality doesn't really belong here on this podcast uh, so much. But uh, you know, if if you really don't want to do that, and you're really one of those players, you know, there's. I mean, I think you should. You could probably convert up or make a Countess character that kind of does the same thing. Or look, sounds like you could do the same thing. Here's the big deal. All right, there's a difference between competitive and casual, and you can be a competitive and a casual player. You should know how to pull your punches. You know, make your fluffy list, and then have your. You can't judge anybody for bringing a really tough list to a tournament. They're there to win. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm there to win the tournament when I go. I don't win that many. But, you know, I try. And everyone, you know, you can't be angry at the guy who brings, you know, two storm surges and riptides. That's the best options he has. And he's trying to, you know, he's trying to he's trying to win. That's that's it. And everyone's trying to win. You're not going to a tournament trying to lose. Right. So. Um, and then uh, a lot of people like to go to tournaments to win in their own way. And I think that's the, what the what I made this podcast for is those majority of people who want to win their own way. Um, so anyways, if you want to run your Night Lords, your Black Legion, you're running Chaos Space Marines. The mask, uh, let me just briefly explain to you what the mask does. During your shooting phase, she elects a unit, I think within 6 inches or 12 inches? 12 inches. Within 12 inches. That unit can only move D3 inches. She has three abilities. Okay, well, Larry, Larry's, Larry's the demon guy. Yeah, I mean, you can't see her right now, but I'm dancing the mask dance. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so the first one is, and the best part about this, and demons don't really have this a lot, there's no role for it to make this happen. The mask looks at a unit within 12 inches, and the first one is it gets minus five weapon skill and may only run, move, and charge D3 inches. 
That's huge. That's you just stopped huge. the Death Star in its tracks. Yep. Now the Death Star is here. It's not moving anywhere else. You can't. And if you do it right, that Death Star can't even charge the mask, and it can do it again next turn. Yes. <laughs> and then the, the second ability is minus five ballistic skill, and uh, you can't Overwatch, which is that's pretty good. It's all right. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's good if you if you're if you're up against something like uh, Storm Surge, which can be kind of like a pseudo Death Star because of how big and scary and nasty it is, um, or a shooting Death Star. Yeah. That, that would be pretty cool. So um, the, like something like a Sense Star, if you're running into a Sense Star that has a lot of shooting, a, a Centurion Star is basically they shoot things off the board. Um, they're kind of the opposite of, of most Death Star that you see. So that might be good with that. And then what's the final dance? Oh, the final one, it's not too great, but I mean, situationally, you could probably make it work in certain uh, scenarios. But uh, it's just the whole unit takes one hit on itself, each model. So I believe that's the one. I know you, you, you could, I mean, it ignores invisibility, right? Yeah, why not? Yeah, so if, you, so if you're up against like a wolf star, all those wolves are punching themselves. So you, I would, you know what? If, if that wolf star has like, let's say 40 models, I'd say 40 wolves, right? I would put 40 wounds uh, or 40 hits on a, on a Death Star. And maybe you got 40 strength four, maybe right? Maybe cast misfortune on the Death Star, right? So, so they're all rending. Or if um, <laughs> if the Death Star cast Hammerhand, those are 40 Ooh. strength six attacks. So they're wounding on twos. Um, that that can be pretty handy. Actually, I I would actually use that more often than the uh, second dance. Yeah, um, the second dance is very situational. Right, but but the first dance is really what we're looking at here. That ability to make a Death Star move d three inches, um, d d basically. 3d3 inches if you count movement shooting or running and uh charging and also good to note and this is why a lot of the top demon players have been taking it uh nick notavati's list had it at lbo mm-hmm. brett perkins's list had it at lbo brett it's... perkins swears on the mask he yeah. worships his mask and it's good because everybody was bringing my next point magnus yep flying death star <laughs> <laughs> this flying single head as many points as some death stars just as hard to kill, just as devastating. Uh, Larry's correct. If you if you deep strike or if you move within 12 inches of Magnus, use the dance on him. He can only move D3 inches in the movement phase, which means he has to land because he can only move D3 inches. He can't he can't glide or swoop, um, so he can't move that minimum 12 inches. And then he lands, and then you he moves three inches. He kind of like maybe he probably kills the mask. Let's be honest. But well, you, you can shoot him. at him. You tarp at him. You charge him. I I think I saw this. Brett did this several times um, at the LVO and at the tournament we were at. Um, he used the mask on something he wanted to use it on, and then he he just tar pitted it with like plague zombies or or horrors or whatever. Yeah, right? Magnus doesn't have enough punch to punch out a lot of units, right. and he doesn't have stomps. Yep. And he's just gonna get stuck there. He yeah. took out all of his psychic shooting in. What, a turn and a half? Yep, and then that Magnus is stuck there killing 20 plate, twenty fearless plague zombies uh, four to five attacks at a time. Have fun with that. Yep, and then <laughs> and then you can summon demonets and charge them with him. Um, it, so it's really strong. Uh, if you can't, if you don't have access, if you have access to being able to ally demons, orc players, um, guard players, uh, Militarum Tempestus players, Eldar, no, not Eldar, Tau, one last, Necrons. Point, one last point on the mask, though. That minus five weapon skill is amazing because whatever you're tar pitting, whatever unit you're hitting with the mask, you're basically invisible most of the time. Yeah. They're hitting you on fives. Yeah, they're hitting you on fives. They're weapon <laughs> skill one most of the time. Um, 
That is that's also true too. Um, so you could charge the unit of plague zombies, and then, oh, and then Magnus <laughs> is hitting them on fives. Anyways, um, if you have access to the ability to ally demons, and you're one of those armies that I just mentioned that's having problems with Death Stars, specifically Necrons. Necrons actually minus the Death Rays, which we'll also get into because that's another specific type. Necrons actually have really good Death Stars. Um, that's the, probably the most competitive way to run Necrons right now is with Death Stars. I'll teach you a little way how to beat a Necron Death Star. Oh, well, it'll, it'll be great. Um, <laughs> you could just ally in the Mask. Um, well, you could also maybe ally in the Clexus Assassin, although he's kind of fallen out of favor uh, just because he, a lot of Death Star players are aware of him and they, they can kind of deal with him, and he can't deep strike like the Mask can. He's also not. He's also double the points cost. People swear by the Clexus, but if you're playing, if you're bringing a Clexus and you're playing any summoning demon player, whether it's Cabal or Screamer Star or whatever, all they have to do is summon a unit of Screamers, and turbo boost over, you're automatically hitting D three times, uh, strength four, you know, do that once or twice, and you just took the guy who moved six inches out of the game. So, I mean, that's one way to handle it. But uh, what else is there? Uh, well, and and it's interesting that you that you mentioned that, Larry, because um, one thing that that people tend to do with Death Stars is um, they tend to invest a limited amount of points or resources or strategic thinking into Death Stars into their, like, ha, 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 I got you plan, and then it doesn't work. Like, let's say um, you invest into a Clexus Assassin, Sisters of Silence, um, uh, The Mask, you know, a, a, like, Library's Conclave to cast to Malediction them, whatever, Tar Pit unit, whatever. There are going to be games against Death Stars where those units don't work. And I mean, it also depends on your opponent. Yeah, absolutely. Your opponent could just outplay you. It's whatever army you're playing. Like, say yeah. if you're playing Battle Company, for example. That's you, true. you know a good Battle Company player from a bad Battle Company player. Battle Company is very forgiving. But, you know, and the same thing with Death Star. Death Stars are very forgiving. But if the player is not good, you can just outplay them. Right. So, so the point I'm getting at is if you're playing against a good Death Star player or something bad happens, um, let's say your mass scatters 12 inches in the wrong direction, mishaps and dies. Happens sometimes. Please roll on Cursed Earth. Please. Right, right. Just try, <laughs> try and get cursed earth. But if you're allying in the mask, you don't have access to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, sometimes it happens. Maybe your Clexus assassin. Maybe you keep them in reserve because you, you're afraid of your opponent's shooting, um, and then he doesn't come on until turn four. By by then, games are pretty much over. You you need you don't need contingency you don't need contingency units to deal with the Death Star. You need to know what to do when with your with your anti-death star units when the situation arises um so if you're an assassin you don't always infiltrate him sometimes you do reserve him uh or when you infiltrate him sometimes you just need to infiltrate him into your deployment zone and then just wait for your opponent to come at you with the death star well i mean as a psychic death star player myself uh-huh when i see collect assassin on the table i look and i'm like where am i going to deploy where i can make this guy stay 18 inches away from me yes and that's i mean they're going to think a good player is going to think that way right and so so if you're if you're Playing against good players that think like that, you need to think ahead of them. So, for example, with Larry, he's going to avoid that Clexus assassin. So, what you do is you place an objective in your deployment zone, uh, six inches, six inches from the edge, and then you place your second objective, which is usually has to be eighteen inches out or something. You basically you place the next objective that you possibly can as close to your deployment zone as possible, where you're going to keep your assassin. You also want to make sure that that objective is near is basically the area around that objective has the terrain to keep your assassin safe. Um, it, w it would be hilarious if you place the objective, like let's say Emperor's Will, you place the Emperor's Will objective right there on your deployment zone in the middle of nowhere, and then the nearest piece of line of sight blocking terrain is like halfway across the board. And you're like, okay, well I'm just gonna put my assassin there and hopefully 
you know, the he can go to ground and save himself. Like that's that's not that's not the case at all. You want to put your objectives in a place where your anti Death Star units can camp out and excel. And then on top of that, it's okay. Say you shut down the psychic Death Star. Mm-hmm. Say it's a Imperial Death Star. It already it's pretty punchy as it is. What's your solution once the powers are shut down? Is that enough for you to take it out? I mean, you got to think two steps ahead. The yes. Collectus is not going to be the be-all, end-all answer. No, no. The same no. thing as other units that might be coming out soon that have psychic abomination. And they... Now, Sisters of Silence are already out. We can talk yeah. about that. Um, but we don't have access to the detachment yet, the, yes. the cool stuff. But uh, you're, you're right, Larry. Um, you, need, you need a way to... You need a counterpunch. You need something other than just to turn off their powers. Um, and that, that, comes, that comes with the, what I mentioned earlier about conserving your units and conserving your shooting. Um, you don't want to waste shooting on the Death Star. You want to kill all of your opponent's units, and you want to keep as many units away as far away from that Death Star as possible. You can use it with move blocking, tar pitting, mobility, moving across the board, moving around, objective placement, forcing that Death Star to have to go out onto certain objectives and, and maybe taking delaying it by a turn or two. If you're playing Maelstrom and he's like, oh, well, I have to go w- score objective three, and that's in the complete opposite direction of the bulk of your army, but I have to go over there because if I don't, I lose out on a point. Um, and then he just killed my unit that was supposed to hold that because he's a smart player. So so the point is is that when you when you put your Death, your death Star contingency plan into place, you have to capitalize on it. Um, sometimes that's aggressive, uh, you know, where you shut off their psychic powers and then shoot the ever-living shit out of them. Uh, or if you're the mask, you stop the Death Star in its tracks, you get ready to tar pit it, or you get ready to move block it and surround it, or you just get the hell out. You just like dance at it, like, okay, Death Star, see ya, we're, we're out of here now. This mask is going to keep dancing and keep you here as long as possible. And running away D6 plus 3. And, and running away. <laughs> I don't th- can, can the mask can the mask dance and run at the same time? It happens at the beginning of the shooting phase. So, so you dance... Shoot. Oh, and then so you dance and then you run. She just looks at you and you're like, "Oh, you're not doing anything." That's really good. <laughs> um, so, so you you need the you need to build your army to be able to capitalize on that. Yeah, no no half measures. If you're gonna try to like you know you're using a Klexus and you're gonna try to kill that Death Star, you have to put everything into killing that Death Star. Right. And if you don't, then you stay away and you do everything. You know. Uh, so simple. and the, the way you do that, uh, the way you set yourself up for this is you you. Against the Death Star, you need to go very. You need to play very cagey. What that means is you you can't be very aggressive. You have to you have to be uh, conservative. You have to take the points they're given to you. You don't take a lot of risks. Um, and by taking risks, a perfect example of something that you might want to use to take a risk is if you have a unit in a drop pod, um, and you really need to score. Like let's say it's an obsec drop pod and you're a battle company, um, and you really need to score one point in Maelstrom. And that's like line breaker, or that's like if if your if your opponent rolls a maelstrom mission, so that they have to have objective one on their turn, and also you can get line breaker, and you're thinking you can score two points with that drop pod. Um, you might want to consider just instead just putting that drop pod on the opposite side of the corner just to get line breaker. That way, the unit that that drop pod has inside of it can stay around later on when you need it for line breaker. Um, basically, you don't want to go aggressive. You don't want to set. It, it, the only way, if, if you're playing a Death Star, the only reason you should be sacrificing units is for scoring two or more points consistently when you need them, uh, or or um, you're sacrificing units to keep the Death Star player from scoring points because that's the whole point of the game. Yeah, um, I mean, you don't want to throw too many. Just right, you don't want to. Right, right. 
Um, so you and you always want to be you always want to be playing towards that end game. You always want to be playing towards uh, what what uh, what is the exact amount of points I need to beat this Death Star player, but not too many where I have to get greedy and have to score all the points I want. So so that's just something to keep in mind as you're playing the game as to play conservatively. You don't need to go for every point. You don't need to kill every unit. Um, you just need to kind of take what the Death Star player is giving you. And then when the Death Star players had enough and wants to get to the bulk of your army, because um, they don't have a lot of, generally Death Stars don't really have a lot of shooting, not definitely not a not lot of high range, high range, high strength shooting. Um, when they finally get to you, you really want to make that Death Star player think about charging into your lines or charging into the bulk of your army um, because you have your Death, Watch your Death Star contingency plan. Okay, I think, think we've covered it all for the most part. Covered a lot. <laughs> I mean, uh... In short, you, you play to the mission, um, and then you pick one of these three strengths. You pick, uh, to deal with Death Stars, you either pick Mobility and MSU, you pick Sniping and Shooting. If the Death Star doesn't have that, if the Death Star is basically immune to that, you revert to one of the other two. And then the last one is uh, Move Blocking, Tar Pitting, Controlling the Death Star, um, basically basically movement shenanigans. Yeah, um, with the shooting and sniping, if you if you can get turn one and they're not buffed up, say it's a psychic death star, go for it. Just yeah. to shoot as much as you can into it while it's down. You know, that's your one opportunity. One thing I actually really want to try and do is is um it, this is a really funny list idea that I've had is uh you you get the sisters of silence and rhinos. Mm -hmm. You get um, six units of them. So this is where I talk about the talents of the emperor a little. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, you get six, three units of sisters, three units of rhinos. Mm -hmm. You move them up twelve, and then you flat out them eighteen inches, six inches. So mm -hmm. you move them up eighteen inches, and then with the bubble because it counts all the units in the detachment. That's um, an extra five times three, fifteen inches on top of twelve. That's twenty-seven inches. So you're moving forty-five inches, uh, in, and you're basically shutting off powers in forty-five within forty-five inches. Um, which means you should be able to get to your opponent's Death Star. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It shuts off any. It shuts off any blessings. Blessings. And but you could still cast within that range. Though. Yes. So I mean. Yeah. I so, mean, I can hug the side of the table if I have to. Right. So so, <laughs> but the thing is, is if the Death Star player hugs the side of the table, you don't do that. You don't, and you just move slowly up and take the take the middle of the board that your opponent so graciously gave you mm -hmm. uh, and then your opponent has to deal with basically your your troop setups you can set up flanks um, you can set up units shooting for line breaker you can set up blocks so if you for example if you take sisters out and then put the rhino there uh, so the sisters are blocking you from charging the rhino and that rhino is on an objective you have to go through two units to score that objective or to deny that objective um, which is something you wouldn't be able to do if your opponent if your death star was in their face I've seen Thomas Sykes from Oki do that, who's an amazing player. Right. And, you know, he just hides him. He actually puts him behind the rhino. Mm -hmm. You can't see him. You can't see him. Can't I do it all him. the time with my battle company. My, <laughs> my warp spiders in my battle company use my rhinos and razorbacks as, as like, mobile terrain to jump behind. It's really, it's really dirty. Um, but the, the point is, is that you're giving that Death Star player an option with my list. You can either, A, uh, power up and move at me, and I'll, turn, I'll come on you and alpha strike you and kill you. Or, B, you can deploy really conservatively and I will move up the board and do what space marines do best. So basically the the, the list is is a uh as a space marine um a space marine uh battle company with uh, outflank or with not with not outflank with scouting grav 
um, basically a bunch of shooting, but maybe some Thunderfire cans if I can fit them. These sisters, and then we just take the middle of the board. And if we go first, we should have the ability to kill the Death Star, hopefully, because um, they won't have the ability, they won't power up with their psychic powers. If they go second, then you know, I can shut off their psychic powers with, with large movement from the sisters. And if I'm not playing a Death Star, I have a battle company. Hmm. No, it's not the worst, not the worst option. Um, no, because you're running like with the sisters rhinos um, and the sisters have strength five APT, AP two melee weapons or strength four AP two melee weapons and they're cheap. So you, those sisters can kill other space Marine tactical Marines easily. Yeah. And their rhinos can can tank shock and and do things. Well, they're, they're rhinos. They they're, rhino they're, things. they're rhinos. They do rhino things. Yeah. Exactly what Larry said. Um, but but that that's something that's something you can think about. That's an aggressive way to run an anti Death Star contingency plan. Um, and if you do it correctly, you should should hopefully auto win against other psychic Death Stars. And then you have a battle company. So you just you run your battle company as is. And then those three hundred thirty points and sisters. You just you just use them like like mini battle company like a, they don't have opsec but they still have the ability to kill things in close combat. You just use them as that and you just play them. Um, they're really cheap too, right? They're really cheap. It's a hundred, it's fifty five, forty five, nine hundred points. No, sixty five. It's hundred and ten points for one unit with a rhino. rhino. That's not too shabby. No, not bad at all. And you're not uh, giving up the game, game hunter with that unit. No, you're not giving up the <laughs> game hunter. Um, so. So, uh, anyways, that that aside, that's a, that's just a list idea I had, um, which which basically, hopefully, with the sisters of silence enables people to alpha strike Death Stars off the board turn one, um, or or force them to to deploy defensively, and then they have to then they're deployed conservatively against a battle company, um, which which you, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, darn blue scars. Let's let's go into <laughs> blue scars. Let's go into identifying Death Stars. There are. A ton of them, so we're we're going to be a little quick. Uh, we're going to start off with Chaos Demons, Chaos Space Marines, Chaos Death Stars. Um, there are Cabal Stars, yeah. which use the Cyclopia Cabal formation, and then a base unit of most likely Corn Dogs, Corn uh, Corn Hounds, Corn Demon Kin, Flesh Hounds of Corn, yeah. uh, or they can use Bikers. I've seen Nurgle Bikers from the base of a Chaos Space Marine Death Star, um, and then of course there are the Screamer Stars. Or basically anything Chaos Demons can Grimoire. And what the Grimoire does is it gives a unit, a friendly unit, plus two to its invuln save. If they get it off. If they get it off. So on a three plus, they they get a plus two to their invuln save. And then on a one or two, they get a minus one to their invuln save. Which is another point to bring up about that particular Death Star is uh, that reroll from Fate Weaver is really good. Right. So if you can take Fate Weaver out, yes. that's... You know, it's kind of the secret sauce of the Grimoire. Yeah, and so so the key to beating these Death Stars, and actually the key to beating Psychic Death Stars, is kind of always forcing your opponent to, like, basically always putting pressure on your opponent to cast as many Psychic Powers as they can. Um, because the nature of Psychic Powers right now is is you can mess up and you can, like, lose models, independent characters. They start taking wounds. Your Death Stars start slowly deteriorating over the course of a game. Um, so if you put pressure on your opponent and always keep as much shooting as you can alive, your death, your opponent, your psychic death star opponent's always going to have to like, now I have to cast invisibility, now I have to cast the reroll saves, um, I might have to cast biomancy, and then on top of that they have to cast like psychic shriek, uh, other shooting at this cursed earth. Well, you want to talk about that for a minute? I think it's very important of what spell you should try to dispel with the death star. Okay, so if you have so, um, I, I actually. 
I think about this all the time. Um, so it's kind of automatic to me. Okay. But basically, psychic Death Stars have like, they have maybe five powers at the most that they can cast in general. Before, before they, before anything after that, they're, they're being greedy and they're probably not running a good list. So it's usually four to five psychic powers that I see psychic death stars cast at most. Mm-hmm. Um, two to three of those are defensive powers. It, I, I want to say two because a librarian's conclave can typically only get two defensive powers. Uh, defensive power is something like in, uh, in biomancy and endurance, uh, invisibility, the veil of time, space ring power, which lets you reroll saves. Uh, the four plus invuln is pretty good. Cursed Earth is maybe may considered a de- defensive power. Cursed Earth is one of the most linchpin spells. That's true. In Cabal Star, in Streamer Star. Yeah, that's true. Any demon based uh, star. Right. And you forgot to mention Nurgle Stars as well. Nur- Nurgle. Oh yeah, the, the drone stars. Those can drones. be scary. Yeah, they're really tough. They are. They're really tough. Uh, the the whole point of all of those Death Stars is they all move quickly, but they all do something different. Um, but we'll, we'll go back to denying psychic powers. So I, th- I think if you're playing against a demon player who has access to Cursed Earth, you always roll to deny Cursed Earth. Yeah, it's only one more one warp charge. It's only one warp charge. Um, and if you if you hold all your dice, if you have no psychic powers um, and your opponent rolls a six or a five, you, you can just kind of hold on to those dice and just wait for the first spell that they cast that you can try and deny. Um Try not to use it on something small. Like if they psychic shriek something, just uh, whatever, let it die. Um, but you, but you uh, save it for cursed earth, definitely. Uh, and then even if you don't save, even if you don't get a, uh, let's say they throw like ten dice at cursed earth, that's doubling, that's extremely enhancing their chances of getting a perils of the warp. Yeah, I mean, if they lose the cursed earth guy, it's pretty bad. They'll probably roll about four dice. I mean, that's what I roll. Uh, any smart player will keep it pretty conservative. People like to play games during the psychic phase, like especially when you you got two psychic armies. It happens a lot, but uh, you know you got to stick to your guns and you you pick the one spell that you know you have to try to stop. Like that would be cursed earth, endurance, telepathy. I mean, no, it's not telepathy, invisibility. Right. Uh, something that you know makes that star as strong as it is. Yeah. Um, another thing you could do is uh, a good point to this is is when you're deciding what power to deny for a death star or what power to try and deny. Um, you, there, there are usually there are two types of powers for, or there's three types of powers for Death Star. There are defensive powers that buff up the Death Star. There are offensive powers that give the Death Star more lethality and more ability to kill things out in the psychic phase, which which makes them better. Uh, and then there are kind of utility powers like Cursed Earth summoning as a utility power, mm-hmm. um, something that that gives the Death Star player a tool or something that they didn't have access to before. Uh, so. If you're playing a if you're playing against a Death Star player, um, you can maybe you can maybe first turn shoot a shoot something like if if they didn't power up fully first turn, you can shoot the crap out of the Death Star. You might not kill a lot, um, but if that Death Star isn't in a position to charge you, it might be okay to shoot at it. And then when that Death Star when that the, the the Death Star player's turn comes around, they're going to invest more into defending the Death Star. But you've already you've already prepared to shoot at everything else but the Death Star. Putting a Death Star on offensive on the defensive is winning half the battle. Yes. Because if he's not coming at you at full strength, then you know he's not doing what he wants to do. Right. And and if also keeping shooting keeping enough shooting alive is imperative to keeping that Death Star player invested in his defensive powers. If you constantly have the ability to put wounds on that Death Star, lots of wounds on that Death Star, 
Um, that Death Star player is going to roll for invis every time. He's he, first he's going to do invis warp charge two. Maybe he does veil of time. Um, you know, reroll saves, and if, if, if that's also warp charge two. And if you're really really nasty shooting, he's going to go for like endurance or another defensive power, cursed earth. Um, and that's three powers, three warp charge two powers that the Death Star player has to cast um, before they feel comfortable before they start casting other powers. And like you mentioned earlier, this is a dice game. So if you stop endurance or you stop, you know, one of those defensive spells, the scariest thing for a lot of Death Stars, bolters. Bolt, it's true. Demons? Demons hate bolters. <laughs> You're going to fail saves. It's just going to happen. Strength. I mean, mass, basically putting wounds on them. is the, yeah. If you have mass shooting um, that can put lots of, lots of wounds on a Death Star, that's uh, a great way to capitalize on them failing a defensive power. Um, and that remember, when you're playing a, death, a psychic Death Star, that player is one double sixes, really bad perils, really bad luck turn away from just giving you the game. It happens. Always. I mean, it happens all the time. They, they might blow up a, a character's head by rolling double sixes and then failing the leadership test. Um, they might take too many wounds on a character and it dies. Uh, they might just flat out roll seven dice and roll like six ones and not get the defensive power off that they need. And then you're like, oh, well now I have to try and ca uh, counter the second defensive power, um, leaving them with only maybe just only invis? I don't know. The Death Stars, Psychic Death Stars are very luck dependent. They, yeah. they're, they're very random. They're, for the most part, they are consistent, but sometimes your opponent gets unlucky and you should always be prepared to capitalize on that. I think we're focused, I think we should go back to faction Death Stars. All right, so we we did chaos. We did a lot of chaos so far. Right. So the 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 two big chaos death stars you'll see um, are ones that use the grimoire demon death stars that get basically they're really defensive. Um, they're not as killy as like cabal stars, uh, but they're they're still good. You can't underestimate them either, though. You can't. I mean, no, not at all. I just played a game today. And my friend was using a raid tonight. I cast misfortune and prescience on a streamer star. Oh, GG. <laughs> yeah, that's a bunch of rending attacks to that poor wraith knight. Uh, Nine hammer rats, not pretty. Right, and then the Cabal Star, which is definitely the bigger, nastier of the two. That's a tough. That's that's tough unit. that's um, basically the the dogs. You grimoire them. They have a three up invuln. They have two wounds each, and then your opponent has between four and five Cabal Sorcerers, each with three warp charge, each with the ability to reroll failed psychic tests. Um, so you're looking at it's a chunk of points. It's a lot of points. You should have no problem killing their support units, um, but it's very mobile. And uh, you really have to kind of, you really kind of have to can't, you can't take that Death Star head on. You might be able to take a Screamer Star head on, right? Oh, At least easily. be able to tarp hit it. Definitely and be able to tarp hit it. If but, a Screamer Star player lets you tarp hit it, he's not yes, a good player. Right. Oh. Um, even the Plague Drone Star, the you, you have the ability to kind of tarp hit that and and kind of deal with it head on. The the Cabal Star, you definitely just want to avoid, at all costs. You you kill their summoned units whenever you can. Um, Best you can. Right, and uh, and then you maybe wait for some spells, some psychic powers to fail. Well, uh, I mean, look at look at the structure of the art. It's uh, ITCs three formations. So you got one formation Cyclopic Cabal, other formation Corn Demonkin, and whatever else they're taking. Sometimes they take demons or whatnot. They don't have a lot of access to a lot of like you know tough units from there at that point forward. So, so I keep going. So the OPSEC, unit, OPSEC units that he does have in his army are probably not very tough. If it's from Korn, his Corn Demonkin detachment, it's going to be cultists. If it's from a demon's detachment, it's going to be you know, pinkars, nurglings, something that you can deal with. 
And like we mentioned before, you kind of don't want to focus on the Death Star. You want to focus on kiting the Death Star and destroying all its support. Yep. Support is what makes the Death Star good. Okay. So onto the Imperium Death Stars. Uh, you, the Imperium Death Stars are primarily the most powerful independent characters the Imperium has access to. Uh, whereas the Chaos Space Marine Death Stars, I think, are more psychic focused. Um, they, they are they're kind of like big hammers, um, big unwieldy, huge hammers. Whereas the uh, the Imperium Death Star is a Swiss Army knife that you just keep adding to. You just keep adding cool little detachments to your attachments to your Swiss Army knife. Um, both completely different. The um, the Imperium Death Stars, you have to really figure out what independent characters they have in that star. Uh, their base unit is more likely than not either uh, wolves, a large a large amount of 12-inch moving wolves, Bar stars. Uh, or some sort of elite unit, probably on bikes, um, that the other independent characters make better. Um, and then they're usually just as durable. Uh, Asriel gives them a 4-plus invuln. Priests give them the ability to reroll uh, their failed wounds in close combat. Also give them fearless. Um, they might also have final pain from something more likely than not. They tend to rely less on their psychic powers and their psychic dice. And the they're really only their best psychic option is actually inferior to demon stars, uh, to chaos stars, uh, because the Librarius Conclave usually only limits you to two or three power spells a turn. Um, so whereas uh, only level twos for the librarians, right? Right. If you take Tigarius, yeah. it's level three. Severin Loth. Um, so the the fact that they're limiting themselves to two or three psychic powers a turn in general uh, means that you have more leeway in terms of what that psychic power, that Death Star can do or what you you deal with. Um, so if you put a lot of pressure on them and they use their two powers for defensive buffs, then you don't have to worry about summoning. You don't have to worry about cursed earth. You don't have to worry about psychic shriek. You don't have to worry about um, them putting wounds on things. You don't have to worry about them teleporting, moving farther, teleporting out of combat, whatever. Whatever the case is. The more psychic dice... The, because the because Imperium doesn't have access to a lot of really efficient psychic dice, especially in ITC where you're limited to factions or limited detachments, um, they tend to be less psychic focused. Uh, but where they excel, special rules. Yeah, I mean, the nature of most Imperial units, especially the Imperial Death Star units, is they don't rely on anything but their natural abilities to be good. Right. Um, so you're looking at shrouded... Uh, some sort of natural small buff to their defense. Shrouded, Azrael gives them four plus invuln. Um, Celestine gives them two ablative, two four, two wound ablative models um, that they can stick in the front. Uh, they also they have the ability for, to feel no pain, just get feel no pain from something somewhere. Hit and run. Hit and run. Uh, hit and run, which gives them mobility. This means that they can't get tar pitted as easily. Very hard, especially with Celestine. She's initiative seven. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah she's gonna fail on a six. six. Every, wow. they're, you're probably most likely they're gonna have to fail on sixes most more often than not. Um, and on top of that, they they have rerolls. Natural chaplains give you rerolls hit in close combat. They have characters that might give them the ability to ignore cover um, with the hunter's eye. They they have multiple ways to to mitigate parts of the game and to make their their deaths are more efficient. Um, now, the kicker to this is that they are a lot more expensive than Chaos Stars. A Screamer Star is like... How many points is your average Screamer Star, Larry? Uh, well, I run them big, but uh, I think it's 225 for the Screamers, and then 150-ish for each Herald, and I bring about 3 to 4. So like 700 points? 800 points? Yeah, it's like 800 points. Right. It's pretty so, big. 
An Imperium Death Star, each independent character is anywhere between 150 to 200 points. Uh, the Librarians are 110 from the Librarius Conclave, which is actually really cheap, um, but they also, they're not that good. They're only 110 points for two wounds. They don't really do a lot other than just giving you the ability to take that broken formation. Um, and then when you start adding in more special characters, they start that starts increasing Azrael's 245, uh, Command Squads with the Apothecary, um, if you want to make them any good, run you already around 200 points. Yeah, it adds up quick. Right, it adds up very, very quick. And um, the by far the best one, the best Imperial Death Stars are the Wolf Stars because Wolves are only 40 points for five. Um, 40 Wolves is 320 points. That's that's silly. 40 wound model, 41 wound models. Um, they get an extra attack because with they, the Alpha the Pack. T4 strength four. They're T4 strength four. Amazing. Moving 12 inches. Uh, so that, that would actually be, if you're running against an Imperium Death Star, that would actually be the bigger one because with that 320-point investment, you run some psychic powers, maybe three librarians, 330 points, give them bikes for fun, um, and then maybe Celestine for hit and run. That's You're only looking at 900 points in, in Death Star, which is may seem like a lot, but it's not because it's such a big footprint. You're paying so cheaply for those wolves. Um, that you can just kind of like do, do whatever you want with it. Pretty sure uh, Brandon Grant and Mike Snyder, they run an entire battle company. With their Death Star? Yeah, with their Death Star, right? Right. No, their their Death Star is actually really expensive, if you think about it. It's 40 wolves, right? Mm -hmm. So 320 points. Asriel is like another 245 or something, 240. So we're like uh, five, 600 right now. Yeah, yeah, it's already at 600 points. They run the Terminator Captain. Um, who is like 125. They have the Japlin with the jump pack and the melt bombs He's like 120. Uh, they have the Priest. I think that's it. That's enough. That's a, that's a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of points. That's You guys, there's already people at home who are listening who are already like, oh, I already figured out the math of that. Well, you know what, man? I'm tired. <laughs> it's been a very long day. <laughs> um, but uh, the whole point is, is that those are the two primary Death Stars. And they... Both do completely different things. The Wolf Star is actually less killy than the Imperium Super Friend Star, um, but it it does a lot better job of zoning you off of key objectives and surviving the whole entire game. The Imperium Death Star, on the other hand, more usually considerably more points, but very 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 lethal, and their their independent characters are probably some of the nastiest ones that split off. Uh, with the exception of some KDK characters, some KDK characters that split off of Cabal Stars and stuff, uh, like like Heralds on Juggernauts and stuff. Well, I mean, they can usually really mess up units. They they're tough. They're they're tough, but, but you know, no but they're not like order. Celestine. No, they're not Celestine. <laughs> not even close. That's, that's not even. Uh, they're not Asriel, um, who, who was really good. I believe his sword's armor being, um, maybe not actually. Might be not. Might be lying. Um, they're not beat stick chapter masters on bikes. Uh, they're not even cha even chaplains. Well, are not I mean, bad. Uh, there's nothing to smirk at when you have a you know a sorcerer on a bike and he rolls iron arm and he he's, flies he's only off got, an He's only got two wounds though. Well, toughness eight. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, not everybody has grav. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, oh, and that's the other thing too is the Imperium Death Stars have access to better shooting than than the Chaos Death Stars. The Chaos Death Stars have access to better psychic powers and. Arguably better units in terms of like Magnus, Fate Weaver, Screamers, uh, Brimstone Horrors. I'm gonna have to disagree with the chaos not having better shooting because uh, ever since uh, some uh, females that shall not be named that are really quiet 
They've been uh, lurking Sisters around. Sisters of Silence. Yeah. You're right. Demon players have all of a sudden adopted the ability, the art of shooting the like, crap out oh, of things. 500 points of Renegades gets me how many laser rapiers? That's actually how true. Many I completely forgot shooting? about Renegades. Um, the, those are probably, those two factions, Imperium, Armies of the Imperium, and uh, Chaos, they have the best units for Death Stars. Hands down. They Hands have, I, I think it's a toss-up between which have the better units. For Death Stars, because they both do so many different things. Um, but we, we won't beat them to death. That, that Those are the two big ones. Those are the ones that you will see the most often you have to be able to beat. You have to be able to beat all of them. Uh, you have to give it some thought. Yeah, you, you definitely you have to. You can't not give thought to those right. lists. Um, I will say that there are where Chaos has the ability to make more varieties of Death Stars. So you might see some interesting weird thing like a spawn star uh, come out of it. They also have that World Eaters character that lets them move an extra three inches um which means you can make a lot of different kinds of random units death stars um so they also have night lords characters that can basically give them pseudo hit run out so so it's a lot harder to prepare for the chaos death stars than the imperium death stars but on the flip side the imperium death stars are the ones that win more tournaments and do better in general until somebody figures out how to put the world leader guy the alpha legion guy and some kind of combination of crazy chaosness together right but, someone just needs you know. to do well with that um and i think those lists are out there but right now they're non-existent they're not in, in the terms of the larger competitive scene um in the, the overall meta you'll just see them even even casually um i know casual players don't think about metas a lot um but there is a local meta like you see drop pods and stern guard and space marines more than you will see like uh nurgle Plague drones and plague bearers. Well, if you play this game and all you play is your best friend or whoever, right. or just the two of you, that's your meta. That is and your you, meta. That's it. You're right. Meta doesn't have, there's no size constriction to a meta. Right. That's true. And, and we're actually, we're, we're not only trying to help people who want to up their game and start doing well at tournaments, we also want to help people who are having problems with uh, their buddy who maybe their buddy just figured out how to attach an independent character to a Space Marine bike squad. And, um, and then they threw in like Tigarius in there. Yeah. Oh my God, he rolls for invisibility like half the time. He gets invisibility like half of their games. Um, so this is this is also for you guys who have to deal with something like that. Casual players often have arms races. Like, they do. It's they, so they true. They do have arms races. <laughs> I'll tell you right now that I didn't own any flesh hounds until I played Pablo and his uh, three Thunderfire cannon list back in sixth edition. And I think right after that game, after that game I was playing with uh, two units of Chaos Space Marines on the table. <laughs> I was super fluffy and like, oh, I was like, oh, yeah, this is too fine. First thing I did after that game was I bought 20 flesh outs. Yeah, you're like, you know what? Never again. <laughs> Never again. It's not happening. And Thunderfire Cannons aren't even that good. Well, they're, six uh, they're, they're okay. They're, they're all right. They're not the best. Um, but I upgraded to a battle company very quickly. But see, that goes back to the whole thing about, you know, not being emotional about your games. Right. Because I got upset and I was like, I can't let that happen again. Yep. Um, so, and that happens all the time. And it, that, that <laughs> I've really liked it. It is an arms race. It, it's actually absolutely how I started the game. I started the game getting crushed by Necrons. It's like, I cannot kill these guys. This is 6th this is edition. So Necrons yeah. have the reanimate role. Um, so they're actually bringing models back. Oh, um, old school rules. Oh, yeah. No, it's was, it was not, it not fun. I couldn't kill scary. Necrons. I also couldn't deal with my friend's green tide. I still actually have never pro, pro tip about me, Pablo fact. I've never beaten a green tide list. I really? played five five green tide lists five times. I've I, I consistently lost to all of them. 
I just I can't beat a Green Tide list. I don't, I don't understand. It's your wolf's pain. It's it's my it is. Um, now I haven't played a Green Tide list in a very long time, to be fair. Um, but I I would like to think that if I played a Green Tide list, I would probably get stomped again. Just, really? Just just because just because the, oh, they're my weakness, man. They're my Achilles heel. Speaking of Green Tide lists, that's kind of a Death Star. Uh, it's isn't one like a hundred guys in one unit. Right, right. It's it's it's. Moving on to orcs, orcs have access to like basically two Death Stars, quote unquote Death Stars. Orcs don't really have psychic Death Stars. They have more beat stick units and smaller pseudo Death Stars. Um, but they do have access to a character in Zardsnark that gives you mobility, gives you a really strong close combat presence, and also gives you survivability in the two plus rerollable jinx saves. I mean, I would argue that the the custom. Mecha Stampa, whatever the the cheap. That's a Death Star. The, the, That's a Death Star. A Stampa is a Death Star. It's yeah. several independent characters in the Stampa making it <laughs> right, unkillable. Making it, making it unkillable. <laughs> um, so when when you want to deal with orcs and their Death Stars, uh, you have to understand that um, there are there are points when when uh, orcs players can't do everything. They can't. So if you're having trouble with an orc Death Star, um, three orc Death Star examples: Stampas. Green Tide list with lots of Power Claw knobs hidden in there. Um, usually Pain Boys. Pain Boys are very popular in Orcs lists right now. They're and then bad. the Zardsnark Bike Star, which is probably the biggest one. Um, the Zardsnark is is an amazing Forge World model. He can tank shock, and if he if you if he basically if he gets into base to base with you with the tank shock and fails to hurt you and kill you, he's in combat with you. No, it's if you take a swing at him, I believe. Or if you take uh, either way, he tank shocks. He just he tank shocks. He can get himself into close combat. Zard Snark is such a bad motherfucker. I don't. He's awesome, dude. I've never wanted to play orcs before, and then when I heard about him, I'm like, that's it. Okay, right. cool. I got it. Um, so so orc Death Stars, uh, depending on which one you play, uh, you need to decide which one you're going to quote unquote face off against. Um, so a lot of the common orc medalists right now are you run a big Stampa, and then you run a, a Zard Snark Star. And then you back them up with little go- little dudes. Yeah. Um, so you have to decide right now: Are you going to sit back and let that stomp a shoot at you while you deal with the Zard Snark nar- Star, or are you going to go out there, kill the Gretchen, and put wounds on the Zard Snark Star, and just to completely ignore the Stompa and just try to uh, basically basically uh, avoid the Stompa by using all of the terrain available to you? And, oh. and whichever army you decide to do that with, or whichever whichever. You, whichever one of those strategies you think your army is good at, you go to that one and you commit to it. Hmm. So if you're mobile MSU, you, you probably want to focus on killing the Gretchen, killing the little units, and then and then circling around the Zard Zark Star and picking off, trying to pick off that pain boy, trying to pick off key units, and then just letting that Stompa shoot, let that Stompa shoot you. Yeah, um, I mean, realistically, I can't think of anything that could reliably take that Stompa out. I've seen people kill the Sampa pretty regularly. It's, they're not. Yeah. You have to kill them in one turn, though. That's the problem. Yeah, because then they just keep on getting all their whole points back. But, right. Uh, that's right. a whole other story. Um, if you have a way to kill the, if your army has a way to flat out kill a Stampa, and you're worried about orcs, um, take take that to kill the Stampa. And even if you run something that who is someone that isn't orcs, you have like a ton of draw potting melting and stuff. You know that doubles out some characters in drop and in, in Death Stars. You know, it, a couple explodes. Right. So, you, so you so you decide you decide either during the or before the game starts or during your army list uh, which one you want to deal with if you're worried about orc stars. Um, I think the recurring theme of what we've been talking about is uh, just make good decisions with your army. <laughs> that's, that's that's always. I, I could probably start and end every podcast with just those words. Be like, okay, guys, we're talking we're we're talking about beating Battle Company today. 
remember, make good decisions. Have a good one. <laughs> that's, that's basically it. That's well, obviously that that wouldn't that doesn't make a podcast. Yeah. Um, so moving on from the orc Death Star uh, to the Eldar Death Star. There's really only one. Or seer. Seer council. Seer council on bikes. Yeah. Seer council. It's it's uh, basically any combination of jet bike units, some some cool units. Uh, usually have a lot of good shooting. Uh, also have, probably have a lot of good close combat weapons, and then a far seer council star. Um, and then they basically do the same thing Psychic Death Stars do. They're kind of like Screamers in the sense that they're not as tough and they're not as durable um, and they're not as killy, but they're also a lot, they also have a lot more tools to them. They're more annoying. They're, I, they're really annoying. I can't stand those. I mean, that's like, as a Psychic Death Star player, that's the one unit that annoys me because I wish I had the things they have. Right. They don't perils. They, they don't perils. They, um, so they can they cast pass on like Psychic Powers. Yeah, they pass Psychic Powers with impunity. Mm-hmm. They also have access to the best units in the game, period. Um, and some the, of the best spells, too. Oh, yeah. Some of the best spells, too. They, they have access to all the Corsair spells. They can get all those, and those are some of those are nasty. They really mess you up. They can put units into reserve. Uh, That's they, pretty tough. There's a, guy, there's a guy right now, Matt Shuckman, mm-hmm. one of the best Aldar players in the world. He runs Seer Council Stars, and he plays them like a magician. He just... He just <laughs> Does everything. He just r- rolls for every power he needs, gets the powers he needs to, and then his support units. Since he has some of the best support units in the game, he has this huge, unkillable, extremely mobile Death Star that's just running around killing everything, casting psychic powers left and right. And then, if you want to kill his units, you got to kill warp spiders, oh, uh, good luck with that. scat bikes <laughs> hiding in terrain, out of line of sight, sniping objectives from you at the end of the game. Hiding maybe a, maybe a wraith knight. That's I was right? gonna get to it's, that point. That Seer Council is okay by itself, but as a support unit, it's amazing. It is. It's, you just turn the Wraith Knight into a killing machine. You can you can buff the Wraith Knight. The the whole point of that Seer Council is to be on the board providing psychic support wherever you want it, wherever you want, while also at the same time killing the units it can kill. Because it, it can't kill like it can't kill like another Wraith Knight. It'll have a hard. I mean, with force and. Um, Hammerhand, maybe I don't um, know. It, it'll be it'll be tough to kill another Wraith Knight. Yeah, and that's another unit where it doesn't need to be near your Calexus Assassin. It doesn't need to be near your Sisters of Silence. Yes, it could hang out, buff something else, and then just let let it go. Right. Let, let mean, that. Yeah, let you'll the, take yeah. the buffs down, but it it's not there to to put the pain on you. No, like, no, it, but it can put the pain on you. It, it just it can't put the pain on like like an Imperium Death Star. No, quite it's can. not the same. Um, but it's a lot more mobile. Being able to move thirty six inches. After you cast psychic powers, anywhere with their jet bikes is insane. Um, you can just you can just I've seen I've seen Matt Chuckman just like buff up the Seer Council star, mm-hmm. um, just full on. You can't hurt me at all. And then move twelve inches, and then uh, turbo boost thirty six inches, and block his opponent in his opponent's deployment zone. And the opponent's like, well, all I have to do is all, all I can do is shoot at this unkillable Death Star that if I charge will probably kill most of my units. So I guess I'm not moving anywhere. Um, most of my units are still out of range, so I guess I'll shoot at your Death Star. Um, and then that's it. And then Matt Chuckman can just keep them locked there, keep buffing up their Death Star while the rest of the Eldar army does what Eldar do and shoots. It, it's, it can be really dirty if you're unprepared for it. Um, so the best way to beat that, that, that Seer Council Star is you need to match in its mobility in some way, some way possible. Um, you also can't let it pin parts of your units down uh, at all. So you have to kind of spread out. And then wherever that Seer Council isn't, that you need to kill Eldar units. 
Yeah. You need to kill what whatever Eldar. Like you might you you against Eldar, you won't be able to play to the mission, especially against the Seer Council Star. Uh, so you need to focus more on killing every unit you can possibly can, even if you have to be a little bit more greedy. Oh, I, I can't believe we didn't think of this yet, but uh, always go second with them. Oh, against the Seer Council Star? Well, I mean, I just a lot of Death Stars in general because you know they they can't be everywhere. You know, right, you so you want to you want to get that end of the turn objective grabbing. Um, yeah, that's good. Uh, it, unless you bring something that can absolutely demolish it, like shooting wise, that can absolutely demolish a uh, Death Star off the board turn one. You want to go second against them. Um, but if you have something like like Tau, you have just the ability to just shoot Death Stars off the board or cripple them early. Or like you you, you want to go for first turn. Renegades. Renegades. Uh, guard some guardless. You want to go for first turn. If you don't get that first turn, you use that first turn to kill everything but. Yeah. You use, well, after they powered up. If they only start their Death Star on the board, um, you, you kind of have to just move everything into position at that point. Uh, you can even move your artillery so, they have, so they're a little closer, so they have better shots. Um, you can move and run your artillery if you need to or whatever. Uh, whatever you need to do. Um, if, your opponent starts on, if your opponent's unkillable Death Star starts on the board and that's all there is, uh, I see a lot of people, uh, I see this mistake happen all the time where the, I, I start like a super unkillable crazy Death Star on the board and that's all I have, and my opponent spends an entire turn shooting at it, even though that's all they can shoot at, and they think, well, since all that's all I shoot at, might as well try and get lucky, when they could have moved, ran, set, them set themselves up for better shooting turns. later on, yeah. spread out to stop my Deep Strikers from coming down and taking objectives and harassing them, uh, trying to maybe shoot for some flanks on the Death Star, uh, spreading, trying to spread the Death Star out thin, setting up charges. There's tons of things you should, you could be doing instead of just shooting that Death Star. Um, but a lot of people kind of tend to go into that automatic mode where they just, they go through the paces. They move their units. They, they uh, shoot the thing, the only thing, anything in range that they can, uh, and then that's it. They're done. And even at that point, it's like, what's the point of shooting the unkillable unit? No, nothing. There's not, you put a wound in. Even even if you can even if you have like the chance to kill the Death Star, um, what you could do, and and you, I do this occasionally. You fire test shots. Um, so you always want to. This is target priority. And this is actually a completely different topic that we'll talk about a little bit later, and it's another podcast. But really quick with your shooting with target priority, um, you can take pot shots or test shots. Um, and I do those with units that I, I know for a fact they're not in any movement range to be able to do anything important for me. They're kind of redundant. Um, they really can't do anything. So what I do with those is I shoot those first. And if they get lucky, like if I shoot a uh, Razorback Twin Link Tevi Bolter at a Death Star and I get like three hits even though they're invisibility and they're like character lookout sirs and rolls three ones and then like nearly dies. So he's got one wound left. I might be like, oh, okay that he just had really really bad luck I'm going to keep shooting at him until at least that Death Star runs out um, Just and then go with all and then you go with uh, you go from least important to most important um, so, so you can kind of do that to put some test shots out there but if those first two test shots are just like oh they bounce off don't bother like you know yeah. Uh, but for the most part you want to be setting up for future turns yeah so that's, that's how you should be playing. I mean, you shouldn't be playing for this turn. You should be playing for next turn. Yes. Uh, so so that's that's very important with Seer Council stars. Uh, moving on to Necron Death Stars, uh, there are two. There are there are the Pylon stars, which are a uh, a really really good shooting 
Death Star. That's the Forge uh, World beam thing. Yeah, so oh, so okay. they they use Necron pylons, which draw a line, um, so they don't target. They just they just hit every model in the line, and then they shoot three shots, and everything under that line is strength ten, and then you get uh, three of those, so you get nine strength ten line shots. And I believe the lines are like. 2d6 inches or, or like 2d6 plus 6 inches or something like that they're they can usually get pretty long um, and you can manipulate them to get as many hits as possible and then you just put a bunch of strength 10 shots on something and you kill it a multiple somethings um, and then you just kill it and meanwhile that that necron pylon star has a character that if you start shooting at it you're snap shooting at them with the staff of light uh, they also have the ability to teleport once uh, no scatter. You just boom, get pulled off the board, teleport somewhere else, and you're in your opponent's face. Uh, they don't have any psychic powers, obviously. Yeah, um, they also have some really good beat stick, durable things like destroyer lords that give the unit preferred enemy in close combat. Um, they have uh, not trays in the infinite. Who's the guy who, who steals special rules from other things? Uh, Nemesaur Zandrek. Nemesaur Zandrek, uh, who, who also think lets you pick a warlord trait. Every turn, you can change his warlord. Trait. You change his warlord trait, so, which which means you can change it to different things depending on what your opponent's army is, army composition is. So there's a lot of tools in there. It's also extremely expensive. It, it's probably one of the most expensive flat out uh, stars available. Luckily, that's why I don't see it a lot. <laughs> Luckily, um, but the Necron players who do use it use it really well. Yeah. Uh, and then the supporting units for that star are really hard to kill because they're Necrons, right? They might have some wraiths, so you're gonna have to deal with. Two wounds, three up, and save T five well, rates. That's Necron's claim to fame. They don't right. Die it's easy. that they're they they don't die easily. Um, so with that one, you kind of need to spread out. You can't give that Necron pylon star things to kill multiple units, uh, and then you it's it's charge range. It's not very mobile once it deep strikes. So you kind of have to play cautiously until it deep strikes until you force them to deep strike, and then from there you just avoid it. Yeah, and just don't give them cardinal angles. Don't let them line things up. You right. Know. Don't let them line nine models up. Right. And give them like two or three. Uh, and I think that Necron Pylon Star is probably the hardest to kill without like a crazy super beat stick Death Star. If I'm not mistaken, don't they just move out of combat? Yes, they can also not be engaged in close combat. Amazing. So if you charge them, they're just kind of like, nope, we're cool. We consolidate it back. You know, whatever. No big deal. Um, Forge roll. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so the... With that one, that's a de that's a death star that you really don't want to engage, um, but it's also not very mobile after deep strikes, so you can definitely play around with that. Uh, also, kill one Necron unit at a time. D devote all your shooting into one Necron warrior unit or whatever you need to do. Um, don't try to kill multiple units at once. You just want to kind of want to kill one unit at a time, one unit at a time. Um, Necrons also aren't very killable, killy or lethal after outside of that death star. <coughs> um, so you can kind of like, don't be afraid to just put mobile units like Daka jets or something just like near the warriors and the warriors are like, we're going to try and shoot you. And like, eh, you kind of, maybe, maybe you didn't kill it. It just, uh, it's relying too much on luck. Right, right. Necrons, Necrons are surprisingly, uh, not very good at killing things outside of that, that death star. So you should, you could be a little more dangerous with true, with units. Um, and Necrons probably don't have good chances to kill those units. Uh, so, so you can be you. You don't have to necessarily wipe, kill them. You can just kind of contest a bunch of objectives and win that way. Are we going to talk about my favorite Death Star now? The one I, I love killing. Yes. Is that the the what the, is it? The Phalanx, the Shield guys. Oh yeah, the Lich Guard, the, the, Lich the other Guard. Necron Star. Um, this one is a lot more close combat oriented. It's also not quite as good. Uh, but basically, you put those same characters 
in a uh, Lich Guard Death Star, and the Lich Guard have a bunch of Strength 7, AP2, Armor Being attacks, mm -hmm. um, well, and they just... If, if it's the proper Lich Guard, they'll be taking the shields instead. They'll have AP3. Oh, that'll and, be three. Uh, they'll have a 3-up invul, rerolling saves because of Orokin. Uh, it's nasty. Yep. I mean, you're not going to kill them. Preferred enemy. Yeah, you know, 4-up uh, resurrection protocols, rerolling ones yep. if they're part of some detachment. You know, all the fun Pre stuff. Really nasty. It's also a little cheaper than the, the Pylon Star. Yeah, it's pretty uh, cheap. Just, but it's not, not as uh, shooty, not as lethal, um, also not as mobile. Also not fearless. Also not fearless. So how do you how do you deal with this this Death Star, Larry? Well, you hope that player makes a bad move and puts a unit of, like, I don't know, Scarabs or a vehicle next to the Lich Star, and uh, you charge him. If you got something that can uh, with, withstand him, if you put one more wound out, than him, and you make him run. They're leadership 10, so go for the, you know, all right, example. So Lich Star is next to uh, Ghost Ark, and you have the tools to kill that Ghost Ark straight out. So you charge, multi-charge both units and destroy the Lich, the, the Ghost Ark. Say you win by two or three. They're taking a leadership, you know, minus three. They're taking seven. They run. You overrun them. They're initiative two. Oh, they're done. And that's actually an interesting point that Larry brings up is you can actually multi-charge units next to Death Stars um, and then force them to make morale tests uh, using that technique we talked about earlier where you strategically charge weak points on the Death Star. Um, if you charge, like, perfect example, you charge where the where Oberyn and Trazen and the Infinite and all their weak little lords are hiding along with, like, a unit of scarabs that doesn't even have to be close to the Death Star. You just have to have a unit that can string out <coughs> long enough to get to both units. Mm -hmm. um, scarabs are they're four wounds or three wounds. Three wounds. They're three wounds. But they're three wounds. They can be doubled out easily. Um, and then H Scarabu unit, Scarabu unit you kill is basically more leadership against the the Necron Star. Also, another thing with vehicles, um, for every penetrating hit you get, that's minus that counts as two for winning the combat. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So every, every penetrating hit, I don't know if it maxes out their whole points. I'm not 100% sure, but I, I also, that doesn't happen very often. Um, but I have had people just flat out multi-charge my rhinos and include like some marines. And then the marines are like, oh, we can't do anything because the penetrating, <laughs> even, though the, even though all they killed was rhinos, but the marines end up getting down, reduced down to like leadership two always or something. Anyways, you, 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 that's a really smart move, Larry. Um, if the Death Star isn't fearless, you can do that. And it's initiative two. And yeah, especially that Lich Guard unit. Uh, all right. Well, I mean, that also works on. We'll go back to demons for a second. Sure. Demonic instability. There you go. You got a unit of brimstones next to the Screamer Star. Oh, God. Brimstones Charge. get doubled out by everything. <laughs> Charge both units. Put the wounds in. Make him take a demonic instability test. Yeah. Even if that Screamer Star kills like five of your units, five of your models, you, all you have to do is kill five brimstone horrors and you win by five still. And let's just mention that one in 36. Demonic instability test leads in a double six, which the whole unit goes poof. Also, also the opposite. Well, I mean, you, know, you, you could roll you snake eyes the and six. the brimstone horrors all come back, and you're like, well, shit. But that's demons. That's just that's the nature. That's demons. Okay, so are we missing any death stars? Right, we did Necron. Tau doesn't have any death stars. Tau doesn't really. Storm surges. Drone eh. commander guy, whatever. No, yeah. Tau doesn't really have. Well, they have. Uh, they, Tau have something called a crisis suit bomb. Uh, which is kind of like a Death Star, but it's not as survivable. It's it's more of like an Alpha Strike Death Star. Uh, they just basically drop down with a commander, uh, maybe Farsight, and a ton of Crisis Suits, and I, they just blow something up. I had no idea what you're talking about, but I've seen this once before. 
Yeah. And it's got Paul, the guy with Paul, this, McKelvey, Paul McKelvey runs this. Yeah, two up armor and then feel no pains yep. and like all kinds of crystal stuff. Yeah, yeah. Stuff so so you, what you do is you have one commander just tank everything and he gives all the buffs. Basically, that commander is the linchpin to the quote unquote Death Star. Um, and then the rest of the crisis suits just shoot the crap out of something. Um, at his ballistic missile? skill. Yeah, yeah. You just, just destroy something. Um, this one's very easy to deal with. You just kind of like tau, you, tower. They're going to kill stuff. You're playing against Tau. If you're playing competitively or if you want to play at tournaments, you, you have to be aware of Tau shooting. It's the thing. Um, so you just weather the storm and then you charge it with whatever you can. And then um, you might, you're probably going to tar pit it. Are they fearless? They're they're not fearless, but I mean, you know, you can run them down. That's that's an option. Uh, so but the sole I, I would rather could run them down. Right, right. <laughs> I would rather I would rather tarpet them than because they don't have hit and run or anything. Um, but yeah, yeah the, the crisis suit star, uh, Gene Sealer Colt have a really good Death Star now. It's very scary. It's what it is. It's they take a patriarch, which is an independent character, mm-hmm. um, and then they start fishing for sixes. Uh, using multiple special rules, and what a six does is it deploys you within a one inch of a unit. And I, I believe if you take the detachments, they get three rolls on it before yeah, game. They get three, yeah. So, That's what it is. You get yeah. three chances to, but uh, and then and then there's a warlord trait that lets you pick. Yes. So uh, so, so what they do is they just set up a bunch. Uh, the patriarch who's a monster in close combat, um, and a bunch of rending gene stealers, and you just charge something and you kill it with five of bindles. With five up invulns, and then you you run like twenty of the gene stealers. You can m- just multi charge, and not to forget that that patriarch passes all lookout sirs in combat as well. Yep, even in challenges, he gets lookout sirs in challenges. So twenty ablative wounds on a beast. Yep, awesome. He's yeah, it's great. So so if you're playing up against gene stealer colt, um, you you really have to learn the art of bubble wrapping. Um, what bubble wrapping is is you put cheap. Large <coughs> unit, large unit, large model unit count units in front of your important stuff that you don't want to die. So your opponent has to charge that. Uh, bubble wrapping doesn't work as well against shooting, um, but a lot of Death Stars aren't shooting Death Stars. They are close combat Death Stars. That's what the majority of them are. Um, so, so yeah, you just have to bubble wrap. You can also run Inquisitor of Several Schools if you're Imperium or if you have access to that and you don't mind doing that. Uh, but you basically you need some sort of bubble wrap unit to deal with Gene Stealer Colts. I mean, it's just dumb not to do that. Yes. I mean, was it 50 points for the Inquisitor? Right, right. 34. So 34 plus 34 for points. the Service Skulls? Right. But if you if you don't want to run an Inquisitor and you don't want to, you kind of want to run something, like if you're a Necron player and you don't, really don't want to run an Inquisitor. Although I've seen a lot of really good Inquisitor conversions from like Tau Inquisitor conversions, Eldar Inquisitor conversions, Necron Inquisitor conversions, even though I think they're come the Apoc, back when come the Apoc was allowed. Uh, yeah. I don't even want to justify those conversions. It's just, it's, it's such a dirty. 30, 43 point unit. 34 point unit. And 30, well, no, plus the servo skulls. That's and 34 points with the servo skulls. It's, it's 25 points. Skulls. 25 points for the Inquisitor and then three points per skull. Yeah, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, uh, uh, and you can take them just by himself, right? Inquisitorial detachment? Yeah, he just, just uses up one of your detachment slots. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good tool. Yeah, and you, you stop infiltrators and scouts. Uh, and it's pretty good. Uh, anyways, so. Gene Sealer Cult Death Stars. I think we've mentioned all the relevant ones. I don't think Gene Sealer Cult has any other Death Stars. No, I don't think so. Um, let's see. We went through Tau, Imperium. Necrons, Imperium, Chaos, Eldar. Uh, Dark Eldar has the Talos Pain Engines. Oh uh, yeah, the the Dark the Eldar Corpse, Tal- Thief, Corpse Claw. Thief Claw. That's a that's a pretty good beat stick unit Death Star. It has Scout, um, mm-hmm. so it can Scout up. 
the the really bad thing about it though is the shooting isn't great yeah. and it's not very mobile after the scout move uh, so that's one of those death stars you avoid hmm. at all costs and you kill everything around it um which is not hard with Dark Eldar. Which is not, because it's Dark Eldar. Uh, if you're playing, if they have Eldar allies, uh, it gets a lot trickier, because what that Corpse Thief Claw does for those Eldar players is it starts just zoning you off of places that you want to go. Um, so when that happens, you, because the Dark Eldar, the Dark Eldar Corpse Thief Claw bases are so large, you can only, you can charge them in a way so that only one or two units are, are attacking you, um, which means if you have like 10 Marines, um, you, you're probably not going to lose them all. Uh, hopefully they catch you or you pass your morale test and then they start moving towards you and it, you can kind of really easily manipulate where that death, that quote-unquote Death Star is going to go. However, it'll eat up anything really fast and give you points towards the mission with, with every unit it kills. So you have to be really cautious in how you tar pit it and how you how you screen it. and, and So the best bet is actually just to avoid it um, and to focus on fighting the Eldar. And then whatever... What, wherever you think that that corpse thief claw is going to go, um, for example, relic. If you if you know that corpse thief claw is going towards the relic and you don't have an answer to killing it, you give them the relic. Yeah. Like, okay, guys, the relic's all yours. I have I'm busy. I, I have to take care of this wraith knight that you brought, these warp spiders that you brought. I have to kill these scat bikes when they finally come onto the board. I've got so many other things I have to worry about. You kill. You can have the relic. I'm going to try and win maelstrom. So I mean, you have to do that. If, yeah. I mean, don't give up. But just accept you can't win that particular part of the game. Yeah. Uh, another another cool thing, just another general thing, flyers are really good at killing Death Stars um, because a lot of Death Stars don't have anti-air. So well, A lot of armies in the meta lately, especially in Southern California, yeah, do there's, not there's bring no. any So, so if you bring like three vultures um, with Vector Dancer and they just kind of fly around uh, just demolishing units and then at the end of the game when the Death Star breaks out independent characters or when it maybe fails a, a blessing or an important defensive power, those vultures all just turn around and just put wounds on it, like wherever you need them to. I mean, Vector Dancer itself, you can dance around the Death Star and, and get, and get the, key key angles. Yeah, the, the heroes in the back of the unit, you know, yeah. now you're shooting all the wounds into them. Yeah, so vultures, it's good. <coughs> Forge World vultures are amazing. Um, but flyers in general, I think you can do that. You can do that with Raptor Wing. If you're running Death from the Skies... A lot of the time, the ignores cover is kind of cool for dealing with certain Death Stars that, that use <coughs> cover rolls, like rerollable cover saves, like Zard Snark Stars, uh, the Dark Angels Raven Wing are a good example. Yeah. So so you, you have options with flyers if you if you ha army has access to a lot of flyers. Mm -hmm. You have options with dealing just because they're so mobile and Death Stars can't hurt them. So you're also not interacting with the Death Star. Um, but if you have multiple flyers, you have multiple ways to fly around and avoid the Death Star and pick off their small units. I'm not quite read up on the FAQs as of late, but can you still move block with flyers, or can they move over the bases now? No, they can't move over the bases. So there, there you go. You move block. You with can't. Death Star. You have to be within one. You have to be away from one inch of the base. Mm -hmm. Um, you don't. You can't lock. You can't vector lock a flyer and use it to crash anymore. So like, if a flyer okay. has to move 18 inches in a certain direction. Um, and it can't put its base there. I think the FAQ says you just put it in the nearest base. Nearest location. Probably. Yeah. But anyways, guys, if I missed any Death Stars, I'm sorry. I tried to be as comprehensive as I can. Unfortunately, I didn't bring my notes with me to this to this podcast, which is a bit of a mistake on my end. You're the um, worst. Which is why I was a little bit rambly. Uh, I hope I helped you guys out. Um, this was this was a topic that I heard that people have requested with a ton of, and I thought I would just get it out of the way and get it nice and early. 
uh, so close to the LVO, so close to the start of the new ITC season. Um, so here it is. And these these rules, everything we talk about, we talked about specific Death Stars, but the things we talked about like move blocking, um, MSU and mobility to move around them, target priority shooting, uh, shooting specific parts of weak points of Death Stars, mm-hmm. um, knowing when when not to shoot at Death Stars, all of those things apply in general. So so even in the far future, 20 years from now, um, when when we have like 15th edition or whatever, uh, and they're, they're still probably most likely going to be Death Star units, you have you still have those tactics and you can still listen to this podcast and kind of listen to how to deal with specific death stars and just general tactics. Um, if you guys, once again, if you guys have any questions, if you have problems dealing with death stars, people are do being a lot better about emailing me with specific questions and I've helped more than a few people and I love them. I love getting those emails. I had a guy the other day, email me, message me asking me how to run remote game in. Uh, the Ultramarines Primark in his list. He was really worried. He wanted to know the best way to run him. Also, another guy asked me how to make Blood Angels competitive. I helped him out. Um, I think he was pretty satisfied with the advice I gave him. And if you want to ask me questions, send emails over to FrontlineGamingPDPob at gmail.com. I'm also going to start putting it back in the show notes so you can have that email as well for yourself. Anyways, guys, thanks for listening. Larry, Thanks for coming on. Well, thanks for having me. Man. I know you were a little sick, so I, I appreciate you being a trooper and helping out through this podcast. Yeah, anytime, uh, you let me know. Guys, next week it's going to be a great, another great podcast. I'm going to have my teammates. We're going to talk about the team tournament. We're going to talk about teamwork in general, um, and then I'll, I'm also going to work on covering the new releases like the Custodes and the Sisters of Silence. It'll be a lot of fun. It'll be a great time. Um, and then I think in a month, I'll talk about uh, the future of the podcast. Um, in terms of like for the second half of the year, um, just, you know, just as we get more information from GW, uh, and then another thing I want to address before I say bye to you guys is a lot of people have been asking me for specific faction, uh, for podcasts. I'm going to wait on that simply because I don't want to start in, I don't want to start doing the factions because there's so many 40 K factions. Um, I don't want to start doing those and talking about them in the middle of a potential edition change. Um, because once again, we don't know if there's going to be one or not, but I don't want to start talking about someone and then all of a sudden have the meta like flip on its head and like, oh, okay, well, all the advice for the last 10 factions I did is completely moot and bad and you can't use it anymore. So I'm going to wait until a, a big kind of meta thing from GW if it ever happens. So look for those actually sometime in October. Well, I mean, yeah, you got whatever is happening in, uh, with GW and with 40K. It happens in June. That's two, three months from now. Maybe, if, if, if it happens in June. But anyways, so guys, uh, you, thanks for listening once again. If you guys have any topics you want me to talk about, questions, email me. And you guys are the best listeners in the world. My battle brothers. I'll start calling you guys battle oh, brothers. You're a bunch of squigs. Oh, they're they're battle, you're battle brothers. Battle each, squigs. Each and every <laughs> one of you is a warrior hardened by years and years of GW neglect and Eldar abuse. Oh. <laughs> Um, I respect every single one of you who have stuck with the game of 40k so far. Um, you are all hardened veterans, and I love your faces. I, I agree with those sentiments because <laughs> you know it's been a it's been some tough years with Games Workshop. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. All right. Take it easy.